There are days where I manage not to think of anything at all. Not the money, or the podcasts, or Jacob. Days when Sarah and I try to pretend we're just like everyone else, as if none of it ever happened. Those days are few and far between. The last line of the film. Yeah, my other one was, uh, uh, I wish someone else had found that podcast. You're, you're trying to do Paxton. You're doing all right, Yeah, I think. You're doing all right. It's okay. It's hard to do. He's he's easy to imitate, but he's deceased. specific. He is, he is deceased. deceased. So maybe we should leave his name out your mouth. Wow. It's <laughs> a dead man for heaven's sake. So your goal is, can we talk about a simple plan for two hours without ever mentioning <laughs> yes, the lead I, just, I think we leave... Out we of leave respect. The, out of respect, we yeah. leave the dead dead. That's yeah. that. Yeah. Sometimes, Sometimes dead is better. Sometimes dead is that better. in a movie someplace. Yes. Um, uh, if you had... If yes. we had done, been on a game show... Please. Yeah. And you were like, uh, here's a quote, name the movie. Mm-hmm. And the game show was very dire, like Squid Game, where they're like, "We're going to shoot your wife if you get it wrong." <laughs> I, I would have, I would have tearfully looked at my wife and been like, "I'm sorry, you picked the like the most obscure quote." It's the from final the line movie, of the and film. the fact sure, that you sure. threw in the word podcast well, threw me for a brief second. That's but... the thing we do here. We like to butcher quotes, right? From so you tossed yeah. podcast instead of murders, I think. Right? I did. I thought it was funny to make it sound like the podcast was the worst thing that happened. <laughs> right. That was this, the thing. What that's is hard this Mad Magazine shit that you have invited I me know, to? I know. You swap one word, and it's a perfect way to describe it. Actually, it's some <laughs> Mad Magazine shit. Sure. What Especially is the premise this rumor of in? this show? I, I have no grounding other than like Great. months ago you told yes. me what it was but yes. and and i the last thing i recall was that you were like uh, we're doing sam raimi and yes. we're gonna be doing him for like three years or some such shit <laughs> yeah. so you were like i was like well i can i could talk about a simple plaque talk about anything but simple yeah. plan i love and you're like okay that will be in eight months yes yeah this is the problem with how we do this show we'll book yeah. someone and we'll be like so we'll email you a year from now we'll circle back <laughs> right. a year from now yeah. Sometimes what? people forget and then they, they make the active choice a second time. Like, I would like to do that movie. And we're like, oh, I know, we're circling back. <laughs> yeah, we, we know you want to do that movie. Oh, You're doing that movie. Plan. Right, yeah, yeah, we were yeah. counting on it. No, we, we, I'll explain to you what the premise of this podcast is. Okay. It's, it's Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. Uh, this is producer Ben. Hi. Uh, and it's a podcast about filmographies. Yes. Directors who have massive success early on in their careers. Yes. And are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Copy. Sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they bounce baby. Ah. That is the, the shortest. That's we were one example for, 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 to for get our premise down to like 30 right, seconds. Right, people so challenged us. Yeah. If, if this was not, if we weren't doing it about Sam Raimi. Yes. And we were doing it about, who had a blank check? Uh, Gus Van Sant, sure. post Goodwill Hunting, yes. could literally do whatever he wanted and Make chose to do Psycho. Great it's example, a perfect example, incredible. And it's example. a huge now, bounce. In in is definitely yeah. bounce in the world of blank check. Yeah, is there a thumbs up, thumbs down like that? 
the check clear or what what's your catchphrase we don't we hopefully don't have... it's not just putting the word podcast where no murder was unfortunately it kind of is i think sometimes <laughs> they bounce baby but uh i've been selling everybody this guy griffin's a genius so i'm sure <laughs> this podcast is brilliant as well i think look we we are very interested in the narratives of people's career and we like certainly that. are open with our opinions of what the movies are but we're not saying like this one's a clear this one's a bounce in like a, so a thumbs up thumbs down way. Either, right you don't right, you don't yeah. cast judgment at the end of the day no. it's just like this motherfucker, we can curse. Yeah, absolutely. This motherfucker, like, did yeah. he could do whatever he wanted, yeah. and this is what he did. And sometimes it's like, this is what right. he did, and sometimes it's like, this is what he did. And, and there are clears. Or she. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. There are clears that we Have dislike. Have you guys deep dived on a female? We've done sure. We've done so. We did Elaine May, Nancy oh, Myers. Shit. And who who is the second one? Nancy Myers, Nora Ephron. How did, wait. Catherine Bigelow. I'm on, not trying to show off here. Step We've back done... in time. You did Nancy Myers. Gina Prince yeah, Blythewood. Yeah. On a based on a dare or is somebody related? Well, the fans actually... actually selected because we do like a March Madness on social media, and they were like, "Do Nancy yeah. Myers?" Yeah, she Nancy kind of Myers. Myers the roller, like, yeah. As a, uh, and I don't mean to dismiss. I'm Absolutely. a terrible yeah. director, so Nancy <laughs> Myers has me beat by a country mile, but. Yeah, I would never have assumed when you told me about this podcast, absolutely, that you would have right. ever gotten yeah. a Nancy. Like we've Myers. done Jane, James Cameron, right? We've right. done that Christopher Nolan. So we've done like that those. That makes kinds sense. Of... All the usual, right? Yeah, Shyamalan Shyamalan was right. Was people who've had up but, and down career. Yeah. All right. So of the female directors, yeah, who were they again? Nancy Myers, uh, Catherine Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow. That makes sense. Nora Ephron. Yep. That makes sense. Uh, uh, Jane Campion. Did I say already? Uh, Jane Campion. Elaine May. Makes sense. The Wachowskis. Makes sense. And Gina Prince Bythewood. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense too. Yeah. The only one, I mean, believe me, I'm not like, uh, cancel oh, your show. Yeah. Yeah. But the only one that I bumped into was Nancy Myers because I, in a million years, she, I can't imagine you. Yeah. Massive budgets. Yeah. To yes. make they were huge. sort of plotless movies. Yes. yes. <laughs> there was a moment and she was sort of a brand onto herself. Yeah. I, I think this, yeah. is, uh, what you, I think you see distress in me, but what no, no, I'm no, no, seeing, you're, you're what intrigued. I'm feeling is relief. Sure. Right. That somebody's finally yeah. exposing <laughs> this. This yeah. charlatan. No, I'm yeah, no, no, but, but she does. She does spend a lot of money. Yes. doing very simple things. Yes, like one could say, she does Kevin Smith movies on I a was, studio budget. I was gonna say she makes <laughs> like an eighty million dollars. Somewhere yeah, Nancy yeah, yeah. Myers but is are, like, take your name out my mouth. They are similar your, sort of like hangout movies. They are, and they're yeah. odd. But the very one is for like old rich people. Yes, right? they're, they're shaggy. Yes. But then when hangout you like movies. read about when we we did this podcast a few years ago, yeah, you know. Everyone, her crews are like she's like Fincher. It's like it's like ten hours of figuring out it's what picture takes frame should be on the mantle. You picking know, up like, a pen because no. the yes. How do you know? Sort of all these Anything people you read about things we like, read, crew people I work with. I would always, whenever I was on a set, I'd ask crew people about like who they've worked with and try to absorb the stories. Right, and they were right. like, "She is the single most demanding director I've ever." I worked with Fincher. I worked with Soderbergh. She's the one where you just go, "Jesus Christ, can we move on?" And she's like, "It's wrong. The sweater's at the wrong angle." In a million <laughs> years, I never would have picked yeah. that. And I'm not saying like I just assumed she phoned it in, but I, I thought she'd be a performance person once she's got the beats and All the jokes. It. But all it's the look as well. All of it. And and line reading, like every, it's like it's, Kubrickian control. I think it's why people do have that sort of specific obsession with her movies. Beyond like, I love a rom-com, right? Right, right, right. Like, I do think that she, there's a weird bubble to her worlds that, you know, a Nora Ephron movie. You yeah, know how uh, recently when um, Turning Red came out, mm -hmm. yeah. there was that one review online where, I don't know who did it, but somebody was yes. like, this movie was made for her and like three people that live around her. No one else can like relate that. to this. Yes. Right, right. That 
that sounds like the Nancy Myers movies, yes. but they have massive box office. As turning and real, yeah. turning red, obviously have massive appeal. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but the difference is that, like... I could take a page out of it. The Myers you book. You should. You know yeah. what I'm saying? No, but yeah. I think. I mean, you said you should a little too quickly there. <laughs> I feel like I, thought you, I was thinking the same thing. I think there are a lot of similarities in in the two of you as filmmakers. I think I do sh- think weirdly. It's yeah. true. Oddly enough, I was yep. sitting here a little bit, a little judgy. Look, no. you know, not yeah. not her. Just like really, you guys were talking hey, about that. A cashmere sweater is really soft, <laughs> yeah, and yes. warm and nice. It feels good on your that. skin. That's you know? true. No, the funny thing is, we we would have people like every year be like, "When are you gonna do this person? When are you gonna right. do this person?" We had this idea early on in the show. We were like, "We'll do a March Madness competition. We'll put thirty-two directors on a bracket. We'll let people vote every day, head to head, and then one time a year we go. You get to pick who we cover." Right, we put thirty-two people on there. We, I'll admit, we mostly put Nancy Myers in there for diversity's sake, not just as right. a female filmmaker, but like comedies, not just film nerd directors, not just genre guys. And in an almost Nancy Myers film-like twist, yeah. she wound up being the top choice. And like whooped like PTA, like the direct. It wasn't like she had easy. You match-ups. guys have not done PTA yet. No, it went to Nancy Myers we, by popular demand. There's a before few, Paul Thomas Anderson. Correct. There's, the PTA is... How has film Twitter let you guys go? We're doing well, Kubrick now. They, like, they don't like you guys ready. either? No, they're probably turning on us. Yeah, they're turning red. Oh, I, they're turning on you now that I'm on the show. They're like, that's when they jump the shark. <laughs> no, they might come all the way back Do you ever have a now. filmmaker come in? Yeah, we have. We've had who? some filmmakers. We have. Uh, who have we had? Uh, Alex Ross Perry, uh, David Lowry, Chris uh, Chris White. Uh, Lulu Wong, yeah, Lulu Wong. did the yep. farewell. Basically anyone who's listened to this show... And or his friends with Griffin yes, Newman. Right. That helps. Right. Yeah. But like here's you're you're saying sort of like how do we look at careers, right? For example, if we were talking about the filmmaker Kevin Smith. But don't right? don't. If we were. Yes. A term we like to use is the guarantor, right? Which is the movie that gives you the blank check. It's the movie where somehow now the the thing is unlocked, right? What would be mine? Clerks. Hands down. Right? Uh, yeah. You have Without a career question. that is very similar, I would say, in structure in a lot of ways to Sam Raimi, where it's like you have the bootstrappy, like spit and gumption, make nobody, a movie with my friends. But everyone remembers, and no one will ever forget, who gives a shit about this kind of thing. I mean, there are people who have forgotten, uh-huh. but that I made clerks. There are a lot of people that don't know that, that Sam Raimi Perhaps. made The Evil Dead because now yeah. they're like, well, that's fucking Spider-Man. Right. Yeah, I think that's Spider-Man. true. That he true. sort of has two He transcended his, uh, yes. his origins, his humble origins. His humble origins tie in directly to mine because I, I was he was ask. covered in so many books yeah. that I read. You know, mind you, when I started, there was no internet, so you couldn't just, you know, fucking deep dive on an article about director you like. Our guest today is Kevin Smith. You'd have to, thank you. You'd have to uh, look into a book of sorts. And his story of you know going around from dentist to dentist yeah and raising money for the evil dead was both inspiring and daunting to me as a filmmaker because i it, it made me go the credit card route like that i went i collected a bunch of credit cards that you know i really didn't you know, have the finances to back but i got them i i worked at the video store rst yes. video the one that's in clerks then I would uh, apply, you know, and, and if you didn't apply, I went to a community college, they would uh, bomb you with mm-hmm. like applications right. for credit cards. And so I'd fill it in and say I was the manager of RST Video and I made $50,000 a year. And this is 1991. <laughs> so they would call RST Video to verify like, uh, yeah, we're doing a credit check on Kevin Smith. I was like, oh, that's my manager. We're paying $50,000 a year. So they'd send me a credit <laughs> card. And we just did that me and brian johnson as a race friend of mine to see who can get more credit cards yeah. so i had them sitting in a underwear drawer my underwear drawer at my house because my parents were like never use plastic it's the devil cash only. they're right 
So they're absolutely yeah, right. This is so I, I saved yeah. them, never touched them until I was like, ooh, I want to be a filmmaker. Yeah. Then I decided to use them. The difference was I did not have the confidence to walk into a dentist office and right. say like, there's 164 pages full of dick jokes set in a convenience store. You have <laughs> a few bucks for me. Right. Um, so I, I, aside from like, he was the guy who with a bunch of friends and a bunch of friends turned out to be like the Coen brothers, Holly Hunter yeah. and stuff like that. Um, who like hard scrabble, uh, bootstrap made a flick, ran the camera around with like Barry Levinson and stuff like that. Uh, Barry, Barry Sonnenfeld. Sonnenfeld. Yes. Sorry. Not Barry Levinson. Um, there was no like, oh, I could be him. A, he was making a genre picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, B, he had the confidence in his material to solicit investors. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of where I had to let Ramey go. Somebody like Spike, Jim Jarmusch, Hal Hartley, they were more identifiable because they they did it with peanuts and, and sure. Kind of, but, but and, he, and also did, did stories the, about people that were just talking to one another. More talk, right? As but the thing is like it's him and his buddies like getting in a van and going to a place, right? Very you know much. that that feels like it's like the gumption, right? I mean, we yeah. right. we invoked you in an earlier episode as sort of saying that like the the '90s Miramax wave of like you and Tarantino and Rodriguez and yeah. others, but I feel like the three of you became like big cornerstones of this thing that was like, look, there are guys who bypass the traditional route. They got their movies made in weird ways. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. They were outside the system. They got this calling card movie. It connected. And now their careers are off and running. Mm. And it feels like Raimi was one of the early sort of examples that someone like you could point to and go, huh, that guy got there. He He did did it first. Absolutely. Like he, you know, uh, he blazed a trail. I didn't necessarily follow his. I didn't do like, you know, he's gifted. The man was born to be a filmmaker. I'm a fan who aggregated to direct his own stories. There's a big difference. Um, he was definitely inspiring, but and definitely one of the ones that went first and laid the track. But like oddly enough, when I when I met him, it was like, oh crap, this is Sam Raimi. But it wasn't like when I met Richard Linklater, where I was just like, yeah, if you don't take your journey. I never think right. to take mine. Slacker right. was your like complete turnkey. That was my right? path. And that makes sense. Like, right. that, the, right, the, the parallel is yeah. so Well, yeah, well, you met Sam Raimi though. What's Sam Raimi like? Sam Raimi is, did you, I mean, you guys, you the well, vibe read I get is polite Midwestern dude. Incredibly. Right. Incredibly remember, humble, remember, uh, uh, yeah. the uh, Coen Brothers movie, um, uh, uh, the, the one that nobody liked. Hudsucker? Yes. My favorite. I love Hudsucker. So he is the elevator. Right. Kid. Hey, yeah. buddy. Oh, yeah. buddy. Like literally, <laughs> that is him. He like when I met him in real life, I yeah. was I thought he was doing an impression because I saw that movie before I met Sam Raimi. Yeah. And we were introduced by Jim Jacks, who was the producer of one of the producers of A, a Simple Plan. Um, Jim Jacks uh, was like, uh, don't, don't, don't like fret. He's gonna say buddy a thousand times it's not that he's forgotten <laughs> he's, your he's, name and he's yeah. not fucking with yeah you. he's right. just yeah. like that's literally how he talks yeah. and so he introduced us and fucking i was like he's not he's just doing an impression of that guy in hudsucker so and then fun. jim was like he is the guy in hudsucker <laughs> he didn't play it but the Cohen brothers wrote it based on fucking his personality yeah he is darling I, this is my favorite sam raimi story and it's almost 
he's tangential to it. Okay. But it is a Jim Jacks story, so it does tie into a simple right, Jim plan. Jacks produced this movie. He was a producer and of the movie. Small Rats, right? He was also yeah. a producer of Mall Rats. Right. He produced Days of Confused. Sure. He mm-hmm. produced uh, Raising Tremors. Right. Raising Arizona is his first that, sure. producing credit. Yeah. Oh shit! He worked on the Mummy movies. Oh, he worked yes. on like the whole Mummy. Jim is know, like, I, I mean, thing. you guys do filmmakers, mm-hmm. directors. You don't do producers. We th- we'll end up talking about producers. A he, lot, but yeah, to me, is one of the most fascinating cases of a producer in this business that I ever met because he was a fan that aggregated into producing. Mm-hmm. He was an engineering student. He was a military kid. His dad, he called his dad the Colonel. He's one of those <laughs> families and stuff. Mom, dad, him, and his younger brother. And Jim was a massive movie fan. Uh, he would take his brother, go to the movie theater. They'd watch things. Then when the movie was done, his brother said, they would follow adults to the diner, sit behind them, and listen to their opinions. And Jim would tell his brother, like, they're wrong. They don't understand. Jim was the internet before That's the internet nice. happened. Yeah. So he loved movies his whole life, but his old man was like, you know, military, you know, you're going to be an engineer. and so Jim did as told, and he became an engineering student, and he wound up in, um, I think it's Washington, D.C., or the that area. There's a theater there called the Circle Theater. Mm-hmm. Circle Theater is a rep house. Uh, you know, they show indie films sure. and stuff. Jim, uh, as a young man, uh, goes there, sees all the movies, and then starts going up to the box office to say, you know, you should really get this. I heard about this movie. I read about this movie in Variety and stuff like that. And mind you, this is in the mid-80s. So they actually start taking his advice. They start programming movies that he tips them off to, and they're making money. So they say to this engineering student, like, what do you do? And he's like, I'm an engineer. (laughs) And they're like, would you mind part-time booking our theater for us? And he was like, I would love to. So boom, one step closer to the dream of movies, right? Right. Uh, he's doing that for a red hot minute. They're doing well, and Ted and and uh, the other guy, Pederas, Peter, I don't, I don't say Pederas, <laughs> but yeah, Peter, I don't think it's whatever their name is, yeah. guys that ran Circle Films eventually, but right now it's just Circle Theater. Yeah, uh, Jim and Ted, maybe their names are. They tell Jim Jacks, like you know, if we had our own movie, we could show it, but we could also distribute it to the other exhibitors that we know in our circle. And you seem to know a bunch about this. Why don't you go out and see if you can find us a movie? So Jim goes to AFM for the first time ever. And again, just a fucking engin- an engineer mm-hmm. who now part-time books a theater. <laughs> he goes to AFM. He finds a movie that American he absolutely film loves. Market. Yeah, American yeah, film yeah. market for those, I, I assume, the... Tony audience for this. I mean, I didn't think yeah. we were Hollywood Babylon where I have to explain <laughs> everything. I mean, this, I assume most people know you're absolutely a movie right. Is, the Amer- it's... Yes, a motion picture kid right. is media that move. Um, <laughs> he's absolutely right. The American film market. So Jim is at the American film market, and that's a marketplace where people go to buy films, people go to sell Show films. Off and their stuff like. It's not a yeah. film festival, it's a sales it's a place. Yeah. 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 Jim calls up uh, the circle theater guys and he's like i think i have the movie it's wonderful it's very film noir very throwback uh and that movie was blood simple wow isn't that fucking nuts yeah so he brings home blood simple blood simple becomes one of the best reviewed films of that and one of decade. the earliest Sundance indie sensations ever. Who the fuck are these guys? Movie. Yeah. Who yes. are these kids? Right. They made it like, for nothing. And it's they, incredible. It's a throwback, yeah. but yeah. it's very modern at the same time. Frances McDormand gets notices for right. her performance. So uh, the Circle Theater cats 
are now Circle Films. And they have an option with these young filmmakers to do a, a feature. And so the, the Circle Theater guys, who are now the Circle Film guys, say to Jim Jacks, who is an engineer, we think you should be in charge of the movie. And just like that, Jim yeah. Jacks becomes a producer. And that's Raising Arizona. And that is Raising Arizona. Perhaps the movie. greatest fucking comedy sure. ever made. Well, at least in the top it's 10. And, but yeah. and Somehow those that. motherfuckers found a way to make child kidnapping hysterical. <laughs> but I feel like also Raising Arizona is a movie people are sitting down and they're like, I don't, I've never seen the camera do this. Same I've right. never seen a movie Same thing. Like, right. And, and right. think about the quantum leap forward from blood simple yes to raising arizona two completely different films yeah. that you it's not like oh well i can see where one came from the other they were establishing early on that like we do what we do right and it's it's not gonna be the same they're like ang lee ang lee is a very heightened version of We've that where it's like you cannot yes. fucking yes. tell me what an ang lee movie is the other thing, than like you know about the, 90 minutes to two hours that's, that's yeah, the yes. only the, thing they have in common the thing yeah. with ang lee was that's what people were saying where they were like i know you guys are doing him because like his blank check is crouching tiger and he did hulk right like that's sort of his like big I, I, I guess although I there's a lot that. of other yeah. but they're like yeah but what is an ang lee movie and it's like you know he makes movies about families he makes movies about like rigid tradition yes. going up again like there are themes but he definitely every They're time odd. is like, I want to do something and, new. And he is more of a chameleon. I want to do a sex thriller. Very. I want to do a quiet yes. family drama. As a, as you know, a I want to do a superhero yeah. film. Like, I, you know, uh, before I was a filmmaker, I was a film fan. Yeah. But as a professional filmmaker, that is a filmmaker that I look up to where I'm mm. like, Jesus, could you imagine being that diverse? Yeah. And he's cool. Seems, seems like, like a, nice a good joke. guy. Seems like a cool right. guy. Yeah. I was at an award ceremony with him years ago and shit like that. Um, I don't get awards anymore. But back then... <laughs> I rubbed elbows with those types of people <laughs> and stuff. And he was a very, very chill dude. I loved uh, The Wedding Banquet. Great movie. Yeah. And think yeah. about, like, Wedding Banquet is not, I'm not saying it's like Clerks, yeah. but it's very simple, quiet yes, movie yes. and shit like that. That motherfucker went on to make Crouching Tiger, yeah. fucking Ice Storm, fucking, um, no, did he do Ice Storm? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's the thing. Fucking Hulk. Like, off, yeah. But off a of Wedding Banquet, he's like, I'll do a Jane Austen movie. Yes. I'll do a 70s key party drama. Yes. I'll do, I'll do a, a Confederacy Western right, epic. Con, that, yeah. Right, that's, right. A, that's a big blank check. Pretty astounding. No right, yeah. and, then, and then like, okay, that didn't work. Fine, I'll make like a Chinese martial arts movie. Made $100 million. Right, just you know, like that, that weird, and, and also like changed things. Changed Absolutely. everything. Like with that, yeah. with that one yeah. martial arts He's movie, like a lot of people probably don't draw the lines anymore, but like Crouching Tiger invaded mainstream cinema and yes. took a style and put it in Marvel movies 20 years later. Right. Like, it's right. now the standard. people 10 years earlier. No, not only that, I truly believe that the popularity of foreign TV shows being watched subtitled Agreed. across America on Netflix and other streaming services like doesn't happen within a 20-year slow burn of Crouching Tiger. Right. There's the story that... Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Barker and Bernard, the Sony Classics mm -hmm. guys. Sony Pictures Classics. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think it was Bernard I heard say once that he was like, the moment when he realized that Crouching Tiger was going to be like a crossover success, mm -hmm. that it wasn't just going to be like, wow, this thing made $15 million. Right. Right, right, but like, right. this is going to play like a blockbuster is he walked through a mall and he heard two like teen boys walk out of the theater and they went, man, those subtitles were cool. Ah! And he was like, I don't know how we did this. We didn't quite <laughs> Quantify. We didn't try to sell this, but somehow for the first time, this thing that had always been seen as an impediment right. to foreign films crossing over with American audiences, that they were allergic to them, had some cool quality attached to this film. And I now, I think, doesn't, 
do you watch shit with just subtitles on now? Even like, yeah, if it's in English? I, mean, I read things more. I yes. I have now taken to consuming movies the same way I used to consume comic books. Yeah. Which is all the dialogue yeah. and a cursory glance at the image. The images. Yeah. Same and, thing with a movie. I'm watching a movie and I find myself reading more than anything else. And I'm like, yeah, I understand. Like, I know the there's a visual there, but like... I'm I'm more trained to read a movie at this point. Well, it's and interesting. I like hearing how actors deliver dialogue, obviously, but mm. I also like being able to visually see the writing. Mm. Yeah. You know? It became, I have a baby, and so, like, it became a thing, like, let's have the TV a little quiet, the baby's ah, sleeping, put necess- the subtitles necessity. on. And now it's just sort of, like, automatic for me yeah. to have the subtitles on. Uh, and it's also a fun game to see, like, what they fuck up. I, I We, of course, rewatched, uh, I imagine all of us, A Simple Plan. Yes. yes. Um, I, I definitely didn't need a rewatch, because this is a movie that my wife and I, this is a building, fundamental building block of our relationship, one of the first movies we ever saw together. I want to dig into this, but just to step back, when I texted you, like, nine months ago. Yeah. <laughs> and said, we're going to do Raimi. Yes. Our show books up stupid early. Would you, you know. To be fair, initially level? we were going to do it earlier and then Doctor Strange oh, that's got true. pushed. That's right. true. We and were, so we had yes. to kind of move it down sense. the calendar it a little bit. It got pushed right. a little bit. Right. 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 So we, we flipped an order. But right. I none of them had been booked. Right. And I said, open game. If you were willing to come on our show, you could do any one of these. And we had sort of in our mind assumed, like, he's probably going to pick a Spider-Man. Spider-Man and Evil Kevin's Dead. Kevin's a Marvel right. fan. He's written Spider-Man comics. Right. And Evil Dead would make sense in sort of the bootstrappiness, the development of Absolutely. early filmmaker. And you just wrote, without any hemming and hawing, Simple Plan. One of my Absolutely favorite movies of all time. Yeah. And also does not resemble the filmmaker's repertoire. No. No. There's two shots kind of in the movie that make you go himself. like... Right. Oh, that might have, that was very Raimi-esque. Right? Baker, Becky Ann Baker, Shotgun Blast. Yeah, absolutely. Right then and there. That's the w- And yeah. also the fox diving into the yeah. hen house. Yes. yes. Which yes. right very, very early on. He right. pushes yeah. very early. He pushes as the fox jumps. Yes. And you're like, well, that looks like Raimi. But other than that and the Shotgun Blast, this could have been directed by anyone who wasn't Sam Raimi? It's like a Dogma 95 experiment for him. Where Very he's much. like, can I force myself to not use my bag of tricks? One of the most disciplined films I've ever seen in my life, considering the filmmaker. <laughs> yes. Like... One of the most manic... I, I mean, and we'll talk about it. The studio was very much like, is he gonna... Is he gonna take it easy? We've read this <laughs> script. The camera can't be flying all over the house. Like, once, you know. once again, this is where, like, the, the un sung hero of all this is Jax, Jim Jax. Well, I would just want to point out, and we've set up a couple threads here we need yeah. to resolve, but like even in the list you were just running through, Raising Arizona, mm. uh, uh, Mall Rats, Days of Confused are all examples of guys who had made their films outside of the mainstream system and he's there producing the movie that's trying to work them into the system and not let their voice get lost. Always, 100%. Right? Like that, there's 100%. something very telling there. He that, was a Sundance kid. He loved to yeah. go to Sundance and pick up, you know, shop for talent and stuff like that. But he was a guy who believed in somebody, brought them in, and then had to sell that person. And has to protect them. Like, Jean-Claude Van Damme was one of his. Wow. He brought him into the mainstream. John Woo. Right, because he produced Hard Target. Yes. And, and John Woo was, was Jim Jackson. And, jo- right. and like Jim always told the story of showing, you know, Hard Target to Universal for yeah. the first time. And they were like, why are there so many bullets and why are there so many birds? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and they're like, you know, Jim was like, that's what he does. That's yeah, his that's thing. Like his and they're like, story. well, you got to take some of that stuff out. So <laughs> Jim led a very frustrated existence as a Universal exec. And then he, uh, Sean Daniels used to run the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean left that position or was kicked out. And 
got a producing deal for a company called Alphaville. Right. That's where he teamed up with Jim Jacks. He brought okay. Jim with him because he liked Jim's taste, Jim's style. But you are absolutely right. Jim was the guy who was like, I saw them do this thing. I believe in this talent. I'm going to bring them in to the studio side and work with them. But I got to keep their voice intact. Like, I'm not trying to get them a paycheck. I'm trying to figure out if I can let them make their kind of movie with studio money. His eyes yeah. lit up when I I met him at the uh, Sundance Film Festival in 1994 after Clerks won the Filmmaker's Trophy. And he comes up to me, has introduced me by John Pearson, who is our producer's rep. John's wife, Janet, runs South, South by Southwest, Southwest They're now. legends of American independence. In, in, indie film. Yeah. Um, so he introduces us. And, you know, I'm like, oh, I know Days and Fuse and Trent. I knew Jim's work, Tombstone, like, you know. Yeah. So um, he goes, I loved Clerks. He's going, I was going to try to buy it, but Harvey bought it for, out from under me. And I was like, oh, right on. Yeah, as he did. He's going, I would have let you, I would have remade it, but I would have let you keep 75% <laughs> of it. That was his exact quote. So At he would have been like, party. we're tossing this out. Yeah, just <laughs> right. like, I'm like, oh. Good proof of concept. I was, and I said, well, yeah. I was like, glad, I'm glad it went to Miramax. <laughs> right. I didn't want to remake the movie. <laughs> and I said, what, what part couldn't I have kept? Yeah. And he goes, nobody fucks a dead guy in a universal picture. And I was like, all right, <laughs> fair it's enough. Fair line. That's fair. Right. So he yeah. goes, what do you want to do? Uh, what do you think about doing next? I said, uh, mall rats. And he goes, what's that? I was like, this is my, this is, I was in the business 30 seconds. Yeah. Right. And this is what I said to him. I goes, uh, it's clerks in a mall. That was my <laughs> elevator pitch. And he goes, oh, he's going, well, what's going to happen is uh, he's going uh, Disney because Miramax picked us mm -hmm. up and Disney owned Miramax at that point. He goes, Disney's going to bring you out and meet, uh, have you meet all the studios, uh, Hollywood, Touchstone, blah, blah, blah. Uh, pitch him whatever you want. Don't give him that mall rats. Yeah. Wow. You come to the Black Tower and you pitch that with me at Universal. <laughs> and I was a big Universal fan. Like, you know, fucking John Hughes, yeah. John Landis, like two of my favorite movies as a child. Uh, you know, uh, Breakfast Club, Blues Brothers came right from there. Animal House came right from their jaw. Like, you know, Universal... More so than Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers became the comer later in my career with like making Batman and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But prior to that, Universal had every movie yeah, that I ever Spielberg loved. Spielberg was. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Amblin's yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, also, David like, and I have dream. talked about this a lot, but nothing gets me more amped up before a movie than the Universal logo. Love and that. even removing the history, da, 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 it's just the fanfare. Have you ever gone guys, into the, the building uh, there? Yes, they have yes. The, the little ball, the <sighs> tennis ball, yeah. the mm -hmm. super pinky that they painted the earth, and that's yeah. the fucking logo. And you're like... This I know. tiny ball is what got me it excited. Just feels so fucking majestic. These movies are universal. Yeah, is, I mean, only thing better than that, galactic. <laughs> right. You know, nobody went for. No that. one's got that yet. But he, um, he, he was talking about Jim Jacks was mm -hmm. talking about a simple plan yeah. in 1995. Right. They the right. book is 93. He he yeah. had this thing. He was he had uh, you know uh, I don't know if they still do, but in the business they used to have these like long blank cards that would have your name on the top or whatever and, and you write on them and put them attach them to scripts and shit mm -hmm. like that glorified fucking scrap paper and whatnot he had these and said you know jim james jacks at the top and he had them laid out on his desk in his house and he had a set laid out on his desk in the office at alphaville on the lot and it would be this year next year year three year four and when you looked at the cards you saw the entire movie industry laid out for the next few years. So it and wasn't just his stuff. It was everything. It was okay. his stuff. Okay, it was his stuff. But right. he was pushing shit that in 95, I was like, ugh, 
That'll never happen. Jim. Right, right. Mummy movies? <laughs> what are you out of your mind? <laughs> Fucking nobody cares about the mummy slasher movies, Jim. Um, Jim was a no, huge... No, Kevin, Kevin, it's going to be a period piece. Yeah, Trust oh, me. Right, it's right. set in the 20s. Who yeah. are you going to get to play? George of the Jungle? Dream <laughs> on, Jim. He was the guy that um, would definitely, like, he would talk about people that were legends to me and Moe's. Mm. Me, uh, Scott Mosier was my producer, yeah. and, and so uh, on Clark's Mars, all the early stuff. So we spent a lot of time with Jim. I spent a lot of time writing Mallrats with Jim. I would, like, fax pages to him. He would comment and shit like that. And we had this pretty tight relationship. His He would talk about the Coen brothers and Sam Raimi and Billy Bob Thornton mm incessantly <laughs> incessantly all the time and it's so much so that me and scott would make fun of him because he would be like well you know I was billy bob and the cones and then we would always be like ladies and gentlemen of madison square garden welcome to the stage billy bob and the cones um he, he talked vibe. about Ramy yeah. all the time. He was just like, "Wow, well, you know, Ramy," because he brought Ramy into the studio yeah. with Quick in the Dark Man. Oh no, with Dark, Dark Man. Man. Okay, yeah, so, right, right. Because yeah. that's universal. he was another yeah. transition yeah. filmmaker. So he would talk about Ramy incessantly and be yeah. like, "Oh, Ramy and I were like this." He would talk about Ramy and the Coens and Billy Bob, yeah, and say that they had the type of relationship that me and Scott and Jim had, mm -hmm. which to me, you know. Is they easy to say when they're not around? <laughs> so most of the times I was just like, I felt like, uh, you know, maybe he, maybe he saw the relationship differently because these cats have all gone on and they've not reached back and stuff like that. He may have helped them start in the mainstream side of things, but, but like, now they're doing their thing. They're doing their yet. thing and they ain't reaching right. back. And, you know, I was young in my career and so I'd be judgy about that. Be like, why wouldn't they help the guy to fucking help them and shit? Um, but according to Jim, they were going to. It was always laid out in the cards, man. There's going to be this one. There's going to be this one. There's going to be this one. And a simple plan was always next to Sam Raimi's name. And so he was, was like, did you ever read that book? I was like, no. He's like, it's a wonderful book about, like, you know, fucking finding money and everything goes wrong. And he said it, too. He goes, least Sam Raimi thing you'll ever read in your life. <laughs> right. He's going, but I think he's absolutely right for it. This is Sam's Academy Award movie. This is the movie that they were pushing so hard. Yeah. Not like over-pushing where they were you know, pressuring people and people were like, get out of my face. <laughs> but they honestly believed that this is how Sam Raimi was going to win his Oscar. Yeah. Because it's a strong fucking beloved book. Great fucking script written by the author of the book itself. Um, it's Sam maturing as a filmmaker. You know, he may have always worn suits on sets, but this is the first time he made a suit movie of sorts, mm -hmm. even though it's set in like rural Minnesota or I think Michigan, Minnesota. It's Minnesota, yeah. Minnesota, because yeah, yeah. yeah. that's where he's from, yeah. right? Um, and it didn't go as planned. Like, you know, people seemed to respect it, got good reviews. But that, and there was a movie he made after this, was The Gift? Yes. Gift is after this. And that's and, also Jim yeah. Jacks. Also yeah. Jim Jacks. Yeah. The two movies where Jim was pushing so yeah. hard. And he did For Love of the Game. For Love of the Game is in between the Kevin those Costner two. baseball But drama. this and There's The three... Gift, you're right. Yes. That's where the, it feels like he's like, make a prestige. This is movie Jim. Movie will be a Toronto. Jim. This is we'll a good, uncomfortable name to bring up. But this was Jim Jacks trying to be Harvey. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He was like, I'm going to get fucking. Sam, I'm, I'm gonna get Sam his Oscar. Yeah, and it's funny, and then he'll work with me forever right. and so forth. Which and so is forth. like, I mean, the way uh, it's funny because after that, 
he then mostly does the mummy movies and yes. stuff. Right. Like he, he kind of yeah. just right. he, he out wind, of it. Right. Jim winds up doing Sam Raimi movies. Right. With right. the mummy. Yeah. Very right. much so. And and Raimi swings wildly out of prestige and back to like wild yes. lackadoo. Right. Um, An incredible career. Oh, but he, absolutely. Yeah. It's he, fascinating. He, at one point, Jim was like, um, he talked about Sam Raimi so much that I, I honestly thought, like, I don't think he knows him at all. <laughs> right, there was a certain point that did not yeah, protest like, too much kind yeah, of thing. And I've right. not seen this he guy up the phone anywhere. I never called. <laughs> yeah. There's no picture of him on his Is this your uncle who works for Nintendo? And Kinda. so he did right. eventually introduce you to Sam around this time. He did. Like, eventually, like, it was, we were, we made Mallrats. Right. I think we were in post on Mallrats, and we finally got to meet Sam Raimi. And I was like, oh, shit. But it's funny, because, all right, so Mallrats is 95, yeah, right? Yeah, That's when Sam Raimi does Quick in the Dead. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He Which was is a TriStar. great movie. Wonderful movie. Columbia TriStar movie, Which we just rewatched and talked about and had Whoa. so much fun with. Yeah. And that's like, uh, what's it? Hackman, Stone, Sharon DiCaprio, Stone. Crow. DiCaprio, Crow. right Crow. before yeah. Titanic. Russell Crowe, right before like LA Confidential. Everyone's like popping in it. Yeah. And how many of those cats returned to work with Raimi on a thing? None. No. Unbelievable. None. Yeah. That is weird. Of the four. Because he, like from all reports... Nice guy to work with is beloved. Right. Yeah, like right. people. Right. The people aren't like I hate yeah. working for this no, guy. Crows... He's no Nancy Myers in terms <laughs> sure. of like you know uh, attention everyone... for detail that yeah. irritates the. the uh, I think everyone the had a good crew. time on that movie except for Hackman, who seems like you know an ordinary guy in general dude. from time to time. Yeah, yeah he's... but that's Crow's first American movie. Period. You you yeah. would think that he'd want to like work with virtuosity. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's truly like this Australian guy is going to knock your socks off. And mind yeah. you, that's pre Spider Man. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. like, oh, if yeah. you're yeah. Russell Crowe, yeah. and you're like, oh, I did Quick in the Dead with Sam, he's a good guy, and then he becomes <laughs> fucking the Spider-Man director, aren't yeah. you calling him every day to be like, but that's I'm what... a good guy. <laughs> but that's when Crowe <laughs> me. is, that's my Russell is, Crow. is working it's on not it. bad, is Thank is you. really the king of the world, though, when Spider-Man, because yeah. he just won an Oscar, he just is beat that, up the mind. Is that his picture. blank check for you guys, or no? Wait, no, no, Quick in the Dead? No, that's kind of a Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. What I would mean, you say? For me, he's weird because yeah. he's like up and it's like Evil he has two Dead. Careers, right? So Evil Dead's his yeah. first blank check, and, and then like Spider-Man Crime Wave, and that is, doesn't work. Right. So he, he retreats. He does Evil Dead right. too. Did Even, you just reference Crime Wave? We sure we did. Fucking wow. did an episode on. We did. did you two really? And a half hour oh yeah, we that do. That takes me back to the RST video store, the video store from Clerks. Yeah. Where I watched that, yeah. like it wasn't available at other video stores. For some reason, they had a copy of Crime Wave, and I'm like, "This is the Sam Raimi movie." Yeah, it is. How have I never heard of this? Right, yes. that's what we talk. I mean, within the arc, it's like right, Evil Dead's what we call the guarantor, right? Mm. Like Clark's. It's this is the thing that gives you a name where the studio goes. What else do you have, right? Then Crime Wave is the first bounce. Evil Dead Two is the first blank check that gets him the run of Dark Man, Army of Darkness, Quick and the Dead. Right. And then it's like... Quick and the Dead, this is the whole thing. Like, Quick and the Dead is like... Hurts him somehow? Kind of a bounce. I mean, it didn't do well. It cost a fair amount of money. Yeah. I think it was weirdly seen by the studios as like a Sharon Stone bandy project that hadn't figured out, right? Like, that's when everyone's turning on Sharon Stone for whatever reason. And also, this was that period where like, uh, there were more than one Western happening. Yes, a lot. People were just like, The bloom was off the rose. Like, post Unforgiven, too many Westerns. Right. Charting that's sort of the last of the 90s Western revival. That's remember, like the what final... I remember of that movie is the last minute loading of the gun. Yes, to kill the like, other give me a bullet, guy. give me a bullet. Yes. It's so you should but that movie's like scene. very kinetic, Raimi, expressive camera. Right. Like, and it's know, like plot yeah. light, it's like here's the town, we shoot each other. There's no, there's <laughs> yeah. not a lot of right. you know, anyway, it's, not, it's, not all it's like blood sport <laughs> with quick draw, right? The opposite of simple plan, which is all. 
plot, all character, all nuance, backstory to sift through. All like terrible decision after terrible decision, which never seems terrible in the moment. Right. But like Quick of the Dead, he goes like, well, I guess I tried to play within the studio system. It didn't really work. He was really, for these quotes that I'm reading, like he was really depressed. He was like, I felt like a dinosaur. I couldn't change with the material. He goes to TV. I he kind of had like, a of like people big T because oh, right. he does Xena and Hercules. And all that. That's yeah. what happens in between Quick and the Dead and Simple Plan. Is he he builds rich. an empire. Yeah, he yeah. Got co-created rich. Mantis. Remember Mantis, oh which he did Lord. with Sam Hamm. Yeah, uh, which that didn't take off. But yeah, he gets he did American Gothic, mm. which was one of those sort of classic. It was like Gary Cole with Gary Cole, who winds up in a Simple Plan. Who's in yeah. this? Or was in a Simple Plan before? No, no, no. It's because of he and. American Gothic, like, sort of pre-cable was one of those TV shows where everyone was like, you know, that show got canceled, but it was really good. Yeah, like, you yeah, know, one yeah. of those kind of... Like, like Grown Up. Like yeah, a exactly. Twin Peaks, That but, show was kind of, right, a, a little evolved. Right. Uh, right. But then, yeah, he makes a ton of money off of freaking Hercules. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. that, is, that is sort of weird to think. Well, and and the that me- was at a time, too, when the business was very bifurcated. Yes. There was movies. Yeah. And there was TV. And if you were doing TV... We don't want to talk to you. Yeah. But he didn't give a fuck because he was like, I'm printing money in New Zealand. He's doing pulpy genre TV in New Zealand before Lord of the Rings. Like, that is so second-class citizen, even if he's making fucking fist loads of cash. So, right. The studio's gonna be like, oh, Sam Raimi gave up on being a serious so, filmmaker. Do you which know, is to some degree, so, And also, he, like, involved family, like his brothers. And yeah. it, like, all, in many ways, it was probably a bomb. Yeah, I think Sav it was. I think it was after yeah, it was nice. you know yeah. a, f- a few f- studio projects in a row and, where it's like, well, they did okay, but it didn't like turn me into a thing. And because it's syndicated, yeah. no one's bugging him. He's right. not getting like studio right, notes. He's control. not, you know. Yeah. Do you know what he was attached to? What movie he was attached to? At uh, this time, at, like off Quick and the Dead that he eventually drops out of. No, Jack Frost with George Clooney. The, the snowman comes alive snowman. instead of Michael Keaton. Yes, it was. That's why the snowman in Jack Frost looks like George Clooney. Look at the snowman He's again. Got George Kevin. Clooney's kind eyes. George Clooney dropped out late post Batman and Robin, where he was like, "I gotta fucking get." Straight. Yeah, George Clooney was like, "I gotta, I can't." And they were just like, "We gotta get another Batman quick." <laughs> yeah, serious. But you look at the snowman and you're like, "That is a snowman caricature of George Clooney." Is it, it looks Warner more Brothers like movie? Clooney. Yep. God, they have like a fucking list of eight people. Yes, that it's like if he's busy, get this one. Yeah. Um, They're a very incestuous so, little company. They just, they really <laughs> hire from within all the oh, time. Oh, look at Nepotent, the brothers helping each other out from the very beginning. So good point. Thank you. Clooney drops out, so Raimi's <laughs> like, forget <laughs> it. I won't do Jack Frost. I guess everyone just could call. Yeah. Which, like, let's just stop for a second and be like, could have been cool. Understand, Raimi. Raimi take on could've that. Been, yeah, been cool. I said, like, twinkly eyed Clooney, <laughs> yeah. you know, in the nineties. Could have been something. It could does feel something. like Clooney. Then again, it was... could have been the thing that led him back to New Zealand. Yeah, exactly. Like, I have to Clooney's create another like, syndicated show. Clooney's like, "Don't kill me off, honey. Or I'm sticking around." Yeah, there you're, you go. That's it's a thing on the yeah, internet, yeah. right? Because think about it. if you're going to caricature Michael Keaton into a snowman, the eyebrows are very different than that, right? That's the number one feature you focus on is the arch. It's true. He doesn't have his Batman eyes, right? And the purse lips and all of that. That's crazy. So do you think do you think Clooney watches the movie and goes like, it's hey fucked man, up the it's me. <laughs> that's that's fucking you me. guys they... owe me. How about a little wet my beak a little? I know. Do they I'm kick the him some man. money? Yeah, like, yeah, man, it's me. Yeah. It's like in Funny Farm when Chevy Chase is like, I'm the squirrel. The squirrel's me. Yeah. In the book. I'm Sorry, so I pulled up very deep cuts. No, no, no I like no, that. Appreciate Funny it. Appreciate Farm it. reference. When uh, are we doing that dude's career? Uh, who who directed Funny Farm? He's the guy, same guy that did. Uh, oh, was it? Is George War Hill. 
Oh, wow. Wait, that's a George Roy... Wow, okay. Yeah, you're right. Wild. And he also right. did, uh, of course... Um, Butch Cassidy. The, the Sting. The Sting. <laughs> the Sting. Right. One of the Jesus. biggest hits in Hollywood is Isn't that crazy? That it's his guy, last film. It was his last movie. Yeah. I saw it in a the theater. I paid money to see that. Wow. With How two reasons. One, I was a Chevy Chase fan, but yeah. the other is I was a George Roy Hill fan. <laughs> wow. And the whole thing with George Roy Hill is... He died like 15 years later. That's the movie, though, where he was yeah. like, all right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was <laughs> just like, you know what? I'm going to live for 15 yeah. years because I've been doing this shit. He made one of my favorite movies of all time, aside from, of course, the previous mentioned ones, uh, The World According to Garp. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I fucking adore that yeah. movie. That movie is fascinating. Yeah. Um, he made a lot of good movies. He's an interesting one because it's like he did make culturally cultural landmark movies impact like dented the universe and yet i feel like he's not talked about as like some great auteur it's more like yeah he was a you know he knew what he was doing the coolest another one like that where his name gets thrown around a lot but considering how often his films are referenced yes not just as movies but as like everyday culture like the idea of an all the presence men type situation i know which obviously when we think of woodward and bernstein we think of his version of woodward and bernstein more than the real guys sophie's choice is one of the most used terms in american vernacular what's that man's name Alan Bakula. Alan Bakula. And he made like six he made, of those movies. He made that fantastic he fucking Harrison Ford presumed innocent movie. Yeah, that movie, movie rules. Yeah. Where the third act turns on Bonnie Bedelia stealing his cum. Yeah. Which, <laughs> as a child, terrified right. me. I was like, that's a thing? Yeah. Now I have to worry about that? They the can steal piece? your cum in the night yeah. and blame a crime on you? Cum burglars? That's also a <laughs> I can't believe I cannot believe that you have never made a movie called Cum Burglars. I will now. I hadn't, I hadn't had the title. Yeah, Cum Burglars. Yeah. Um, Raul did... Julia is amazing in that Raul movie. Raul Julia is incredible in that movie. Um, Brian Dennehy. Yeah. God, that movie's so great. You're it, right. Pakula. Have you guys done Pakula? No. no he's a good one, though. There's two he, names right there. George yeah. Roy Hill and Pakula. And I know it's like, you know, we don't need to heap more praise on white men. But still, these are two white men who made brilliant movies. Well, and are never talked about in the pantheon. George Roy Hill sexy made, of like a Quentin Tarantino no. or a Robert Rodriguez, sure. where you know their name, a celebrity or something like that. But they made some of the greatest American films we've ever seen. He also made Slapshot, George Ray Hall. Oh, right, you know, Which right. is like so, another Fuck. kind of landmark movie. <laughs> God damn it, man. This uh, is a dude who like ran with fucking Paul Newman yeah. for a while. Yeah. And he, he also, yeah, no, he made a lot of good movies. Do you know the procession, Kevin, of people who almost directed Simple Plan before it finally yeah. so comes around? Do you know around? who initially gets the rights before anyone else? No. Them? For a million bucks when the novel is not even purchased. All right, so this is 1993? Yeah. yeah. Because the, like the Jim Jackson, my question has always been, how does it end up at Raimi when it's such an unconventional because choice? It, got... it makes sense that Jax had been pulling for him the whole time. Yes, right. and pursuing. Yeah. And I think Jim got the project when he moved over to Paramount. Yes. They, they were based at Universal with Alphaville. Yes. Right. And then they left and they went to Paramount. And I think when they went to Paramount, there was a... It was a distressed project. It you was may like, take yeah, 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 right. these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this he was able to cherry pick. It's going to blow your mind, so, the fucking arc of this. So Mike Nichols buys it. And this is sort of where's Mike Nichols? I buy so, that. What, what, yeah. This would be post, post like post regarding Henry edge, around right. that yeah. period. Right. So I could see this. Mike Nichols pays a million dollars for the rights and and says Scott Smith, you're writing the screenplay. Like you know, he, so brings him in, who'd never uh, written a screenplay before. No, he's a he right. he wrote a story for the New Yorker that was well received. A literary agent calls him up and said, "What else do you have?" And he says, "I have this novel I wrote five years ago that no one ever bought." And that novel's simple plan. Like this it's been was a bottom drawer thing. Yeah. 
And so they it gets published, it gets bought, film rights acquired immediately, they hire the guy. They go, Mike Nichols bought your fucking script, he wants you to adapt it. Like a total Cinderella story. This guy's beside himself. Straight to the moon, yeah. So then... Nichols gives up on it for whatever reason. It's not taking too long. It goes, and Nichols is one of those guys who's attached to a lot of movies. Right, right, right. Goes to Ben Stiller, was going to direct it with Nicolas Cage in the lead role. What year is this? This is 94. Okay, apparently. so that's post, re- this would be Stiller after Reality it, Bites. It's a pre cable guy. He's done Reality Bites, and they're right. like, what could he, what else could he do? Right. And then it goes to John Dahl, I guess, post that last season. Absolutely fucking makes, makes total sense. sense. Snore guy. And also, right. he's shocking, Red Rock, Red Rock Red River. Shocking right. that right. it didn't get made Red Rock with West. that guy. Yes. Right. So that is kind of shocking. Right. Stiller brings on Cage. Cage presumably brings on Stahl. Smith has said that Stiller's the one Dahl, who really Dahl. helped him. Dahl, Dahl, sorry. That's right. Why, well, why do you, Oh, he brings on Dahl because he just did Red, Red Rock, Red Rock West. West with him. Right. right. So oh there's. God, a, this is like fucking. A, we're like cops figuring out a forensic <laughs> murder. He brought it Of course, Red Rock Rest. Why didn't we Everyone think of get this? get the string. We got to put the Carrie Matheson board up and figure it out. But but like Smith credits Stiller as being the guy who helped him shape the script. He's yeah. like, that's of all the directors I worked with, that was the guy who taught me how to write a screenplay, helped me understand the difference in the mediums, really held my hand through it for years. Yeah. So what, he's attached, but then he's like, fuck it, I want to do Cable Guy. I guess so. Again, he, apparently he didn't like, or he was nervous that four, Cage was going to get $4 million to be in it. Maybe he was worried about the budget. So let's put a pin right there. Cage was going to play the Bill Paxton part? Yes. Yeah. Now the other thing I, I read. I think that might have been like, I mean, it's in this particular part, it would be like uh, using a Maserati yes. to <laughs> deliver some DoorDash. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, I, I, it's you know that it's, guy is it's incredibly Las gifted, Vegas and that role year. is yeah. very straight. Yes. It's very straight, man. Yes, it's not it the is. showy role. No, the showy role, and, and is, one of the reasons the I wanted role. to do this. Right. One of my all-time favorite and if not my all-time favorite performance in motion pictures and i don't mean like oh i just love it because i'm rooting for this guy or i love uh, the way no, 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 no. i mean this motherfucker has transcended performance into that is not acting that human being exists and they just roped him in for this movie everyone else in this movie is acting and that ain't a bad thing that's I'm hoping what you're about you want to say Chelsea to Ross. I want you to throw a huge Can you believe ball. it? It's Chelsea Ross. <laughs> the way she took that shot. <laughs> um, everyone else is is acquitting themselves insanely admirably. Right, yeah. uh, they're doing, they're acting, and that's what you want an actor to do is act. Billy Bob Thornton. Okay. Just, so, I mean, I'm going to, here, I'm going to take a shot in the dark. Sold his soul to the devil <laughs> for the gift of being able to pull that performance together. That human being exists. That's it, not it Billy is, Bob Thornton. Right. It, it is it's astonishing. It's incredible on how this motherfucker did not win. Yeah. He lost, how he's not like just in everything. That Oscar yeah. race. Well, let me throw this at you now, actually. I'll pause it because this is, I told, I've, they, I've said this to you, Griffin. Uh-huh. My theory that from 96 to maybe like 03, you can say Thornton's the best actor alive. And it's one of those Give me the things, movies. Give me the movies. I'm going to give you the Blade? movies. So starting with Sling Blade. Absolutely. Obviously, right? obviously like he's Which a been, lot of people don't appreciate it anymore. Remember people for don't like appre- huge landmark thing. I'm also like for the amount of people that are like my wife about Borat. <laughs> right. Back in the day, oh, they'd be like, oh, mm-hmm, he was French fried potatoes. French fried potatoes. Everybody did that. You could do the face and the voice and the lines. There's everything. Have you ever listened to the Armageddon DVD commentary where Affleck? Yeah. That, and to be fair, like, anytime I, every, Thornton is on screen, he jumps he in. Goes right every, every few months, Twitter rediscovers Ben Affleck's commentary so on Armageddon. I would suggest you listen to any Ben Affleck commentary pre 
pre, um, uh, what was that fucking movie? Uh, um, Pearl Harbor. Oh, sure, sure. Is that he when he finally learned to maybe not candid go off? human yeah. being I've ever <laughs> yeah. met in my life? I honestly feel like I learned my candid art, the yeah, art right. of being candid, wow. the art of just saying a fucking Affleck. thing. Yeah, from him, he was guileless. I mean, he'll still do it. He'll still do it sometimes, sometimes. He's, yeah. but he's right. got a governor and has for years in a good <laughs> sure, way. Yeah. Sure. Because he would just say, like, I would be like, this is shocking. You're allowed to fucking say that? Because <laughs> in Armageddon, he's like, that helicopter costs like 300 grand. I don't know why it's there. You know, he's like, he's calling out. Oh, he talks out about like a Michael Bay was like, where he's like, Michael, like, why would we send, <laughs> why would we send thrillers, thrillers to spaces? I was just, shut the fuck up, Ben, <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> da- David paid top dollar for the out of print DVD, specifically for the commentary a couple of years I ago. Did, right, like, I need to fucking it. watch this thing. He's it's so good. he's one. I, honestly, I, and I mean, it's sidebar, but Affleck, one of the five funniest human beings Very I've ever funny. met in my life. Wow, hands down. Very funny dude. Anyway. Back to Thorn. I do want to shout out Priestling. Like one false move is kind of a great, un- wonderful un- flutter. Also, talking about what you're talking about it. ties similar... back to the director. It was uh, uh, Carl Franklin. Carl yeah. Franklin. Yes. Um, very. Film noir. Yeah. Very Cohen Brothers. One false move and Blood Symbol are perfect. Uh, uh, double feature. Yeah. But but you're talking about sort of Cohen's, Raimi, Billy Bob coming from a similar thing. It was that thing where Billy Bob always said, like, he was a struggling actor. He was working some catering job. I forget who it was. Do you know the story? A struggling actor who was in Tombstone, produced right. by Jim Jacks. Right. And he played the the guy, you know, who was, he was a heavier set dude then. Yeah. That's where Jim Jacks comes to know Billy Bob Thornton, mm-hmm. sits around talking to him between takes. And that's where he's like, he builds that connection, right. which eventually winds wow. up with Billy Bob yeah. in A Simple Plan. I, I forget who it is, and I don't know if you remember, if you know this anecdote, David, but he was working a catering job as a struggling actor, and he went up to someone. I think it was a director. But he went up to him, and he was like, what advice can you give me? And the guy was like, you got to write your own material. He yeah, was that like, is interesting. It's uh, You're a guy where it's not going to happen. Billy, it's Billy Wilder. Billy Wilder. It's Billy Wilder. Billy yeah. Wilder? He, he, was, yes. he was like a cater waiter. Yeah. And he's just like, can I talk to you? Like, you know, Billy Wilder's at some industry event. Right. And Billy Wilder is like, you should write if you yeah. want to. Billy Bob's know, like, I it. can't make it happen. And he's Billy like. Billy Wilder has to be like 89 at this yeah, point. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Like late 80s, probably in the 70s. But I think I don't know. Wilder correctly sees you're not a conventional type. Right. right. Sure. If you're Hollywood's going to make sense yeah. of you, right. you have to be the one who packages yourself. Okay. So post, yeah. post Sling Blade, you know, he's got, he, okay, he wins an Oscar, but like mm-hmm. he's in The Apostle, he's in U-Turn. And he wins the Oscar. For writing. Screenplay. For screenplay, but he's not nominated, for performance. nominated for acting, he loses that, but he does win the Oscar. And, and it was like, Hollywood Annoyment. story, yeah. what right. a guy, you know. He right. was there. He was, he was the hero and of that he, Oscar season, because it's like, this dude wrote, directed, starred. And right. this is pre-Angelina Jolie? Yes. Yes, because that that's late later. 90s. Right. Yes. But that's coming up, That's obviously. the blood in the vial around yes. that. Because that's, that's her Oscar year. Or right. maybe not, I can't remember. But So then he's got Simple Plan. He's got Armageddon, which I think he's incredible. He's wonderful in Armageddon. He's, he's got primary colors. It's the size of Texas, Mr. President. <laughs> I, one of my favorite. Primary lines. colors. Incredible playing love uh, primary colors. Great and he's movie. playing what's his fuck, uh, essentially. Yeah, James Carville. Yes, right, and yeah. he's so fun where he's like uh um he's like, they started tearing pieces off of my mama. She didn't deserve that. <laughs> when they're having like the mama thon. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's so fucking good in that movie. All right, what he, else? He writes the gift, which I forgot. He's the screenwriter of that movie. That Sam Raimi uh, directs? Sam Raimi film, yeah. And what year is that? That's 2000. He also writes and directs All the Pretty Horses, which is the whole Mishigas, right, right, where the, the movie gets the, taken the, away from did, him. Did you, by the way, Matt see Damon the crazy movie. detail that the first time Nichols leaves Simple Plan, it's because he wants to develop All the Pretty Horses instead? Oh, that's How crazy. Weird. So all this stuff is just floating yeah. around. Yeah. Uh, then in 2001, he's got Monsters Ball, Bandits, Man Who Wasn't There. The right, kind of crazy... Monsters Ball, right? Bandits, yeah. And that's the Willis movie, yeah. yeah. Oh, and and the, the Coen Brothers there. movie. Yes. But that's like yes. where he's a lead in three really weird different movies, and it's like this guy is a lead, I guess, right? Yeah, like yeah. this guy is a, a a marquee guy. And it was the challenging Coen Brothers too. One yeah. of the first challenging and Coen Brothers. And he's like, still one of their most movie. challenging movies. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. a very cold. And then movie. It, in yeah. 2003, he's in Bad Santa, and it's like it's a hit. It's a you know it's comedy Rygoff, that goes that's over. Yeah. Movie, right? yeah. yeah, and then he pops up in Love Actually. He's really funny in one scene in Intolerable Cruelty. You're kind of like Intolerable Cruelty. Side note: On Jim, Jim Jack's involved? cards, right? wow was Intolerable Cruelty. That was the Coen Brothers script. Yeah. Right? That he was just like, I'm going to work with the Coens again. Right. And it eventually, he let it go to, to uh, what was his name? Ron Howard. Uh, they uh, produced Brian it. Grazer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine. Right. Coen Brothers wound Coen up directing. Under, right. Yeah, they yeah, were originally yeah. hired, I think, just I to think write Jim it. I think Jim is, I don't think Jim's name is on okay. is Intolerable Cruelty. Okay. But he I developed that originally. He, it was okay. his okay. forever. He was, it was on the cards. He's like, I'm going to do this with the Coens. And then Ron Howard was going to make Intolerable Cruelty for years. Right. And then eventually the Coen brothers circled back to it. I love that movie. And did I did it. Yeah, I think it's wonderful very I think it's yeah. hugely underrated. Very underrated. And then in 2004, he's got Friday Night Lights, which he's really great in, and nobody thinks about the and movie anymore. And that created anymore. a fucking right. a movement. Yeah. And then... Then it's like, what happened? Like then, then, then so it's what over. happens? What's the one? Well, I don't really know. It's like the Bad News Bears remake. Right. He tries to which, Alamo which movie. You're, you're you following. Know. You're doing Richard Linklater after School of Rock. Yeah. And you're doing the you know Santa Buttermaker thing. part. You're doing Bad. You're everyone's Santa. favorite. Curmudgeon. Everything on paper right. should have worked. Right. About right. That. Except the Bad News. To, he does Bears a lot of Bad Santa. Movie, the first e- one. Movies like School for Scoundrel, Mister Woodcock, a lot of these kind of like ain't I a Todd stinker? Todd Phillips is School for Scoundrels. Yes, right? yes, yeah. He's he's like finally got this quantified. Here's what your leading man movie persona is. You're the asshole, right? And he sort of says in interviews like, I don't know, people like it. They're paying me money to do it. Like just, he was, I even feel like he got time, sick of it because he he's he's yeah. well, kind of prickly. At right? a certain point, he yeah. went more musical, right? Yeah, he started yeah, leading he into his band, right. and yeah. then he was on that. Uh, he does that Jomaine show. Komeshi show yes, in Toronto. Right. Well, I mean, that's that where asshole. he was like, hey, I want to ask you about uh, your band, and he got real hostile. No, he wanted to ask him about acting. He, he was, was like, I'm to here talk to talk about music. his band. Right, right. Kevin, and he wanted to talk about acting, even and he turned fucking on. wilder than that. It what is, was it? That interview is one of the best films of the 2000s. It is <laughs> incredible, and it's also one of those things very similar to the <laughs> interview. Are you talking about the insult he delivered to Canadian people on that? Is it, There's so he called them mashed that. potatoes without the gravy. Which yes. is just a real he deep says that fried in the interview. Insult. He yes. said Canadian people are like mashed potatoes without the gravy. He, it's inc- it's incredible. Every Whoa. piece of that is so beautifully written, <laughs> as it were. Uh, there's there's the interview uh, years later where George Lucas goes on Charlie Rose after the Disney deal. And he describes Disney's as white slavers who sold that. his baby. Yeah. And uh, my buddy Connor Ralph, the host of the George Lucas talk show, always makes the joke that somehow, somehow within five years of that interview, 
George Lucas is the least problematic of the two people in that room, <laughs> right? That Charlie Rose looks worse. And right. it's the same thing with Gene Gameshi, right? Right, right, Where, like, right. horrible allegations come out about him five years later. At the time, everyone was like, Billy Bob Thornton, what an asshole. And now Billy Bob Thornton kind of comes off well in that interview. But it was in the introduction, he's outlining, like, they're, the band's called The Box Stops. They release six albums a year. It's one of those, like, wildly prolific bands, mm-hmm. right? And he goes, like, the four members of the band are this, 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 and that. You might recognize their drummer from his day career as a movie actor. Anyway, here are the box tops. And Billy Bob Thornton was incensed that in the introduction, right. they How dare acknowledged. You. Right. There were no questions about acting. And he's sitting there silently. Every time he asks him a question, he's monosyllabic. Then at some point, he starts asking about musical influences. And he goes off into, like, when I was a kid, I read famous monsters of Filmland magazine, Forrest J. Ackerman, Ackerman. And I would get models and paint them. And then he'd be like, okay, so um, on your second album, and he kept asking questions. It was a contest to design your own monster makeup. And he like, keeps doing this. And Giancoveschi is like, I- I'm sorry, I don't think I see the, com- the connection here. And he was like, well, if you want to interview me as if this is a fucking hobby, I'll tell you about my other hobbies. <laughs> That's genius. <laughs> right. He, d- he does it genius. six times before he connects the dots. And right. he was like, you were explicitly told not to mention. And he was like, I was told not to ask questions about it. I just thought the context was necessary. And, and then he starts attacking it's, the entire nation Canadians of Canada. Mashed potatoes How long crazy. does it last? Like at 45 minutes? It's long. Know. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. I remember watching it when it when it happened because it was a buzzy. Everyone's yeah. like, did you fucking see Billy Bob? And it's, it is so cringe and awkward as you're watching. Right, it's tough to watch something like and, that. And I'm no fan of the other guy. Yes. Right. So no I'm idea not, who this guy I, but, is, really. But it's tough to root for Billy Bob because it's like, I mean, you are an actor, bro. Absolutely. <laughs> like, he, he seems every, like a, maybe a bit of a tough customer. world yeah. knows you as an actor, and the guy didn't even, like, he was just like, you might recognize him as an actor anyway. All he said I, was not going to ask it a single like, question. It wasn't like, hey, man, what is Kate Blanchett <laughs> right. like? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my God. But then you, the other thing is you watch this video and you're like, this is an incredible Billy Bob Thornton performance. Right. Like, if this happened in a Coen Brothers movie, you'd be like, he's, he's fucking not being a regular asshole. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. right. He's really, he's like, all right, I'm going to be an asshole. Like, right. I do feel like the all the pretty horses thing, or maybe the Angelina thing, kind of broke him. I think both. I would, on that front. I would. I don't know about all the pretty horses because you know, at the end of the day, you're making a Miramax movie. Yeah, you can't be surprised. Right, it got fucked with. Yeah, right. if somebody yeah, yeah. like comes in and but, takes it away and tries to edit it, especially if you've got a major movie star in it and it's expensive. It's one of those classic. But I'm not saying like everyone should have happened. Like, oh, his cut was so good. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Like, like you Matt can't find day, it. Right. Damon always says it's like the best. Like, thing. Yeah. His cut, the first cut of the movie was brilliant. He's yeah. going. Everything that happened after that was yeah. really. But maybe the Angelina thing. The, the I crazy think it was press that. of yeah. that because that relationship, like you know, like think of any like what's her. The girl who was in um, the Transformers movies. Megan Fox. Megan Fox. And she's dating somebody. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly. And every, I was going to say, we all know that. I don't know their names, but we sure. all know that they are together <laughs> yes. and stuff like that. And we like keep that. reading stories about, like, what are the weird things they do as a couple? Which yeah, it's become Billy the weird. Billy Bob and, there, and Angelina a, were that. They, they were that they at were that, that time. They're on they, the red carpet. And the paps are like, do something weird! Right. And she, it was that, I think they she, both wore they vials, vials of, blood, of each right. other's blood. Which yes. now, in retrospect... Like in the time you were like, oh my god, that's so out there, but now it's like, eh, 
Who cares? Yeah, it's like, what, you got a little Theranos thing right, around right, your neck? Right. <laughs> right on. Good for you. So sample, you know those don't work, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. It is funny. I mean, the other thing that happens to Billy Bob is like, right, he starts focusing a lot on his music. He still does movies, but you look in pretty much everything from like 2012 on is not He doesn't do a lot good. of movies. Yeah. Lately, and, he's right. been doing that show on That's the thing. He moves Amazon? to TV faster than a lot of guys. Yeah, so he, he did does that, that first show. season of Fargo. And right. he's quite oh, he's really right. good on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. I forgot the first one. But when that was announced, it was like, why is Billy Bob Thornton doing a TV show? And why and then is you're he doing like, Fargo? Right. Like, he worked with the Coen brothers. Why right. is he doing this TV yeah, show? Yeah, that was the years weird... away from everyone doing any show like that, you know? Maybe he's been chasing the material, and the right. material yeah. moved to streaming. Yeah, and right. four and he saw it early. quiet seasons of Goliath. That show has been on the air since 2016. That's my wife to this day is just like, I will rewatch it with you. You know, we have a thing where it's yeah. like, well, you start watching. I'm like, oh, watch it now and stuff. She's like, I will totally rewatch it with you. He is so wonderful in this. So apparently he's doing strong work yeah. in Goliath. But as said, very quiet. Nobody very quiet. talks about it. No. I mean, weird. but that's an Amazon show, right? Yeah. What is the biggest Amazon show? Uh, the boys, the boys, the boys is pretty big, that's and that true. is punching, and that has yeah. punched through. But there's the only industry. you're right that yeah. there's only a couple that yeah. people talk about. Yeah, I yeah, think. they're. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of like Apple to that. You know, tra- yeah. transparent Ted, had a Ted, moment. Yeah. Uh, uh, fucking what's his name again? Ted, Ted Lasso. Lasso. Yeah. I was gonna say Blasso. I was like Teddy Blasso. 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 Yeah. Teddy Blasso. Freddie Blasso. Uh, Ted Lasso. But other than that. Yes. So far, the I brand is hard not, to yeah, yeah, my point to a entire experience working on the tick was constantly feeling the pressure of that them was, being like, "We need one of these things to punch through." That was Amazon. That was Amazon. That was Amazon. And it was like, we have some things that critics like they have and Maisel, win awards, and right? no one watches yeah, them. Right. That's we, right. They have right. Maisel. That right. was their big. That was their Emmy winner. Until the boys, that was the yeah. one that was the billboards. Yeah. But it was always like, it's we neat. have respectability. We want the thing that the culture actually cares about. Right. All right. Well, wait, yeah. wait, wait, back to Simple Plan. Back okay. to Simple Plan. So Scott Rudin somehow <laughs> Jeff takes Bezos over had a simple plan. He had a very well, simple. Just didn't plan out. We were so we were on Billy Bob. We were yeah. I I did Rudin. I I don't know. At some point, Rudin brings on John Borman. And I'm trying to wonder. So wait, well, is Rudin a producer on this movie? He's not, but I guess he was he briefly was in charge of it, and he was at Paramount at that. Yeah, he was and at there's Paramount. no way on earth. That a book yes. movie, right? It was doesn't have his fingerprints right, exactly. on it somewhere. So this I is... suspect he was involved earlier during the Mike Nichols era, probably. Right. And then when Jim got involved, this is the thing he probably wanted it free of Scott. He brought... There's the Barry Diller thing. The Barry Diller thing. I think it was set up at a. Uh, I'm, I'm forgetting what Diller. company it was, but it was set up at a production company through the original Mike mm. Nichols setup, and then Diller bought that company and was like, "I don't want to fucking make this." I think it's called. Savoy. Yeah. And Savoy. Was like, yeah. Fire sale, selling off all the property, right, and right. that's when Paramount grabs buys it. it as a pack. They, did right. they have the buffalo as their as their? Yes, I think so. As their logo, I'm gonna look it up for yeah. you. Savoy Pictures, like Savoy, one or I'm three sorry, buffaloes. Savoy. Yes, or something? three buffaloes. Yeah. yeah, with kind of a, you know, a, a blind. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, that's cool. Um, all right, so yeah, so Rudin picks it up. He hires John Borman, who's kind of in the downswing of his career, to direct. Mm-hmm. To direct, they ca- they cast Paxton and Thornton. No, I did read an interview so with wait, Paxton. wait, before Raimi comes on, Borman yes. was going to direct Yes, him? briefly. Bor- John Borman of Mosquito Coast and... D- Deliverance, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. Hope and Excalibur? Yeah. Excalibur, yes. Excalibur yes. exactly. Yeah, not Mosquito Coast. Who did Mosquito Coast? 
Mosquito oh, that Coast. was oh, uh, Peter Weir. Peter Weir. Yes. Yes. My bad. That's my bad. Um, I, I did read some interview Exorcist where Exorcist too, though. That's poor. Paxton and said Paxton said that he and Billy Bob had been attached to one of the earlier versions. I'm wondering if it was a Jim Jacks thing, but that at some point someone was like, you know, who would be perfect as the two brothers, Paxton and Billy Bob. They really wanted to do it. It went away. It went through a couple more directors. And then Borman is the one who finally hires them on. He doesn't cast Bridget Fonda, but Borman signs on the two of them. I uh, could see Jack's pulling from too. They're both Tombstone alumnus yeah. who he spent a great deal of time with, both right. Bill Paxton and and uh, um, Billy Bob. But as then well. the, the they, whole... I, no, I was just going to say very quickly. Is this where Bridget Fonda meets Danny Elfman? Yes. Yep. On this movie. Yes. And they get married. Yeah. And she kind of retires from acting. Still married. She's like, I love that score so much. (laughs) That haunting piano. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'd like to fuck the score. I'd settle for fucking the man who wrote it. I will be with the man who wrote the score. That brilliant man. Um, Uh, That's crazy. She's wonderful in the movie. Oh, she's incredible. And does so much of the heavy lifting and gets no credit. Absolutely. Yeah. But she's Lady Macbeth. She's Iago. She's it's a tough role. Oh, it's a she's and she's she's fantastic. She is. I was gonna say, and I'm I'm sorry because I know you're burning up to say the thing. Paxton and Billy Bob have the thing where they're also like filmmakers. That's true. They have that Bruce Campbell thing where it's like these guys love because Paxton did frailty actors, right? They like worked Paxton crew, directed frailty. Good You're movie. right. Yeah. I it's forgot. A good movie. But also, he was like a Corman guy. Like he met yeah. Cameron. I think he was a set dresser for Corman movies. That's how I met him for. They have, we're, gonna, we're gonna talk about that. The Bruce Campbell sort that. of like I want to be helping to make Briefly. the pictures. I'm not just the handsome guy at the center. Wow, the, I didn't know that. The yeah. crucial thing, and it is funny to think about, is Thornton's attached to this project, but then post Sling Blade, he is so hot that they're like, we have to make this movie right now. Because he's fucking booked, booked, booked. Right. So if we're going to delay this shit again, he's not going to be in it. So it's Thornton's busy schedule all of a sudden. This guy who is like a total journeyman. A couple years before, yeah. nobody even heard of, like, except Billy Wilder so, at a catering event. Yeah. So that's, Raimi had been in the mix, I think, when Savoy had the rights, right? You know, But when they're in rush mode, Rudin basically says like, we need to go right now. You're actually not my top choice, but like, but like whatever. And then somehow... Rudin disappears, but Raimi stays on, and they go. And like, and Borman was far enough along that he was doing location scouting, and the movie was such a moving train that when Raimi comes on, he's like, "I just trust the locations are right. Let's work on new things." Yeah, like he was a, wow. he was inheriting a, a moving train, and that's that's got to be Jim. It has to be. That's got to be Jim going like, "Do me a solid, yeah, and I'll win you an award." Right. I mean, and it should have. I guess it's a tough year it's the yeah what else was up that year? It, it's the same private ryan shakespeare and love like year like those two going to war you know billy bob loons loses to james coburn in affliction which is a good performance but it is for also best supporting yeah. yeah it is also kind of a career award for yeah, coburn. that was more like hey but he's... the favorite that year right. had been ed harris ed harris for, for the truman show which is like, okay, he's making a face. Kevin's making a face. Kevin's making a face. I, look, I love me some Ed Harris. Although recently I heard from somebody who worked on an Ed Harris movie that he was a yeller. I, I have heard, heard that, that he is a yeah. terrifying person. Yeah, I, I interviewed him once. A friend of mine was just like, I was like, oh, how's he? Because he always, I've, I've always yeah. loved Harris. He's like, he's, he yells. That's what I've heard. He yells at famous people. And I was like, yeah. well, that's, that's the kind of yelling that <laughs> yeah. 
people talk about. <laughs> you you got to be really confident in what you're yelling about if you're yelling Absolutely. at a famous person. Um, he Ed Harris had like won the golden. He was for he was picking up the precursors, and I guess it was sort of a it's Ed Harris. He's never won Apollo 13. Like it's time. I mean, give and it to Coburn him for kind of snuck in. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Man. Right. I mean, Ed Harris is good in a lot of movies, but. Rewatching this, I did have the thought: How the fuck it did is Billy crazy Bob that Thornton not win? win especially, it was, but he had just won an Oscar. I know, but not but for, for acting. I know, I know, I know. It just feels like it's the kind of anointment they would have wanted to give him at a time where he had all the heat, momentum, and it's just an unreal performance. It is. It, it's uh, unparalleled. I, I challenge you to find a performance that's so not a performance. Yeah. This guy is fucking living, breathing flesh, the character of Jacob. And he's like doing a mild physical transformation. Like he's changing his look. He's got this stammer. Like it's not like he, he's making choices. And it's yeah. a character that on paper you could make a real meal out of. And he is underplaying everything so much it's where true. you just buy him as a real That guy. might be the other reason he doesn't win. He almost he doesn't have the sort of crazy. He doesn't lean clip. into it. Yeah, that that people will be like, "Well, fuck!" Actually, he's got to take it. Ben's burning up with a take here. Uh, the look in this movie, it is it, it is, is so like it is like basically every work from home like graphic designer living in Bushwick wearing Carhartts with double knee like pants. He's become like, the hippest guy in the world It's now, kind of character. hilarious yeah. how Big he's glasses. coded right. yeah, as being right. kind of like bumbling and right. like, right. like you know, yes. very out of touch, out yeah. of time. And like currently that is like the now, hottest thing Now right he's now. Ed Sheeran. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So this guy now dates Julia Fox. You know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you walk to a party and you're yeah. like, I can't blame her. That guy looks cool. But to be fair, you're in the world of the movie. Yeah. Who would you rather hang out with, Bill Paxton or fucking Jacob or Hank? It, it's hands down Jacob. It he's is, a nice guy. He's it, not judgy. Yeah. He's loves his dog. Paxton's wound so tight. I so don't want to hang out with that guy. It's kind of the thing he's that's most impressive about this movie to me is that it establishes him as like, well, this is obviously your normal guy at the center of the film. Right. right. These two guys are fuck ups. You got an idiot. And a sort right. of rage cage. And here's the guy who's got the level, sort of pragmatic view of everything. He's the smart guy. He's the one who's like, all right, gentlemen, let's all take a second. You know, that's right. His, yeah. Right. And Jacob's like a, a, a figure of sympathy. Right. Right. And then as the movie goes on, you're like, he's got a lot of fucking unresolved issues here. And Jacob is so pure in his understanding of everything and a lot smarter than he appears he's, to be. He, right, at yeah. he, he knows things that Paxton can't confront. He has a, Hank a, a is kind just of wearing wisdom. blinders about when he right. finds out that his father killed himself. He's like, what? The, the best scene in the that movie. Maybe the best scene in the movie. Yeah. I don't know. Well, there's a lot of good scenes in this movie. Um, they, sh they were supposed to shoot in Minnesota. Some El Nino shipment that there was no snow on the ground. So mm -hmm. they were like completely fucked. Also had, happened when, when we were making Mall Rats in 95. Coen Brothers were making Fargo. Right, and they had, they and had, they had no to snow, chase right? snow all over Minnesota. They left Minnesota right. and went over to fucking Dakota or whatever when we That's were- That's like a notorious- We were getting snow reports from their set all the time That's because so Jim funny. Jacks yeah. right. was very tight with uh, the Coen Brothers. As he, at least he claimed, as yes. he told yeah. you over and over. He did, yeah. He um, did, you know, when they made Intolerable Cruelty, I was like, he did know those fucking <laughs> guys. <laughs> They're buddies. My favorite, this is my favorite poignant uh, Sam Raimi story. Uh, James Jacks, uh, um, you know, wanted he wanted to make a hit so fucking bad. 
you know, he thought Mallrats was gonna make a hundred million bucks. He was wrong. He thought Days of Views was gonna make a hundred million bucks. He was fucking wrong. <laughs> um, they, he had, they, 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 they lasted. They yeah, did, he yeah. was right about they what they were. Yeah, he right. was just couldn't get the box office right. But he wanted like a fucking legit hit because yeah. he knew that would open doors and right. make life easier and stuff. And he eventually got those hits with the Mummy. He made the yeah. series Mummy movies and Jim, and, and finally got to the you know top of the mountain where he wanted to be and stuff. Um, he like for the years that we knew him, he was always trying to make shit like the Jackal, which eventually got made. Yeah. Um, projects that would come to life, like after the mummy, mm. he had an easier time doing things. Uh, he, uh, was doing a treadmill one day and his assistant went out to get him his breakfast and came home and the treadmill was running and Jim was not, he was on the floor. He had a massive heart attack, fucking died. So. They have a funeral for this guy, of course. And uh, I think Jim had like a Catholic background, if I remember correctly. Because um, he liked dogma an awful lot. <laughs> Said he understood it. You know? <laughs> so there's going to be a, a, you know, a funeral service at uh, that church in um, Beverly Hills. It's like a Catholic church that's on the strip. Okay. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm driving to it. I try to get some people to go with me. Call up Jason Muse. I was like, Jim passed away, man. I'm gonna go to his funeral. He's like, oh, no, I'm busy. <laughs> Ask Scott. I was like, you want to go? And he was like, no, nah, I'm doing some stuff and whatnot. So I was driving over and I was like, man, this motherfucker. Like, just as I felt like, you know, those fuckers, he would talk about all those people. And why didn't they ever reach back? Like, why? How come, you know, he thought so fondly of them and not vice versa and shit like that? And I was driving over. And I was working myself up into this like bitter frenzy where I'm like, it's fucking Tuesday at noon in Hollywood. Nobody's going to be in this church. Like I'm going to be the only one there and like maybe his brother in that fucking coffin and all those people that he put on the fucking path can't be bothered to fucking, you know, be there for him and shit. So I get to the church, I park, I walk into the back of the church and I stand in the back of the church because there's not a fucking seat available. Mm. And the whole ride I was over driving over there going like all these fucking people, man, like fucking, you it's know, he's always, town. Yeah, so he's no, talking about yeah. fucking right, Sam right. Raimi. Who do I see yeah. mid fucking aisle, like halfway up, right on the aisle, Sam Raimi dressed and sitting there. It was beautiful to see the man get his flowers. Granted, he was passed, but it seemed to indicate that he was right. All the things he ever said, he was tight with these folks. And, you know, they had life is such that you move on to other things. Like there are people you work very closely with on a movie set. It's like going to camp and you're like, we're never going to be apart. We'll see you next summer. <laughs> Fucking like we built strong bonds. And then 10 years, 15 years go by sure. and you don't see a motherfucker and stuff. So what I misconstrued as people being like, oh, they lost interest in Jim yeah. and moved fucking on. They were just doing their thing until they could circle back. And, you know, granted, I'm, I ain't taking anything away from the people that worked with them, but, like, you know, I'm sure it was easier for them all to say yes after the Mummies movies, you know, sure. when, when he was on a roll and stuff like that. But this dude was, like, such a fucking champion for everybody, and at the end of the day, they came out for him. We go to the... There's a repast or whatever the fuck, you, you know, where you get together and eat afterwards. That motherfucker was great. We go to Craig's because he used to go to 
Dan Tana's all the, the time. Apparently, the shrimp parm is named after him. Named after Jim Jack. Cool. Yeah, Craig's. Oh, he he knew. I guess Craig was. I don't know much about the restaurant business in L.A., but apparently, the guy who started Craig's was a guy who worked at Dan Tana's forever. Jim ate there all the time. Guy left Craig and started Craig's or whatever the fuck, and so Jim went over there, and so he would apparently like have a fucking lunch or dinner. It's so fucked up. We, we go to the repast. Um, everyone's sitting around. It's like a Viking funeral. We're all telling stories about Jim, um, you know, and, and Sean Daniels was like, Kevin, talk about Jim. And I was like, well, anybody in this room knows that Jim had his own catchphrase. Um, same way that Sam Raimi was like, hey, buddy, buddy, come on, buddy. Oh, buddy. Jim Jacks would say, like, you know, to punctuate <laughs> mm-hmm. any joke he had. So he'd be like, uh, you know, uh, Billy Bob, he's, now he looks like Ed Sheeran, you know, like, you know, like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, and it was your cue to be like, like, to laugh, laugh. Yeah. Yeah. La- clap, please, or whatever that yeah. fucking yeah. politician said. So he would do it all the time. Like, it was a, it was almost like a nervous punctuation. Uh, I would go so far as to say, like, a Tourette's condition, but, no, but I, I've gotten was... noted for doing similar things on a podcast. Like people listen to you for hours and they're like, why is every sentence in with that same fucking thing? Yeah. It, and it wasn't like Bart Simpson's <laughs> like, you know, fucking eat my shorts. It wasn't a catchphrase. Right. I don't know that he was conscious. It was like of a tick. It. it was, it was right. a tick. Yeah. 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 Me yeah. and Mosier one day saw him do it for a minute and 12 seconds straight <laughs> without breathing. It was a fucking craziest thing. He said something that made him laugh so hard. He goes, like, you know, like, you know, like, you know. Like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, he wound down right, sort of and then got to the floor. Accelerates. And was like, like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, and then went for a second fucking round and it was unbelievable. So I tell that story and everyone's fucking laughing yeah. and shit like that. And I said, but be honest with you, as I was driving over to the funeral and I told him the story that I told you guys, I was a little bitter because I thought the place would be fucking empty and shit. I was like, this was a guy who we'd go out to dinner with him all the time. He would tell us stories about these great filmmakers like Sam Raimi and stuff like that. And uh, when I was driving over, I was like, is Sam Raimi even going to be there? And I was like, and Sam was in the room, like looking at me. And I was like, Sam, when I walked into the church and saw you there, that, you know, I, I'm, I'm an old Catholic and I let it all slip away, but that really did make me feel like there could be a God. Like the fact that you showed up for the man, like really meant the world to me and i know it ain't about me but i know if it meant the world to me bro jim would have been fucking in tears like to know that you were a true friend not just a a work buddy not just somebody who's transactional in his life and stuff so uh you know i said my piece and made people happy and i was like i've done i've done good here today and i'm gonna leave this fucking wake and stuff like that and i'm almost at the door i almost get out clean and then a filmmaker stops me uh, whose name I don't know, younger cat. And he goes, hey, man, I'm this cat. And I said, how are you? And uh, he goes, um, I just wanted to tell you, like you were talking about how you you and Scott would go out with Jim and he would tell you stories about Sam Raimi and stuff like that. And the Cohen brothers, as I told him the Billy Bob and the Cohens thing. And he goes, well, like he did that with us. He's like, me and my friends, like we did the same thing with Jim. We just did it like, at Craig's, we would come here every Thursday night and sit around and talk about movies and bullshit. And he would tell stories, war stories about making movies and stuff. I was like, that's awesome. That's what he used to do with us. And then the guy fucking devastates me because he goes, 
The only difference is all the stories were about you. Right. You became. It fucking leveled me right then and there, man. Like I was. And then I thought about the judgment that I would cast on the other filmmakers. Like, oh, they never reached back. You're worried that you come off that way? Yeah. I, like, didn't, I didn't reach back. Yeah. No. Like, I remember being on the set of Dogma, uh-huh. and there we are working with two of the biggest movie stars on the planet at the moment. Kind of your blank check. One of which he yeah, let be in Mallrats, even though he didn't want him. Yeah. Like, he was like, don't <laughs> hire the Affleck guy. Curse, he's got a potty mouth. <laughs> he's like, there are too many curses in the script already. He's like, I remember him on Days of Confused. He raised the fuck count of that movie. <laughs> And so, and he'll be a nightmare on your commentary. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he'll take it over. He'll be so much funnier than you. So Jim, you know, was when when we when I was like Jim, Ben is like the best guy for the role. Like he just seems like the guy. Right. He was like, oh fuck, all right. But you know, we'd sit there and chit chat with with Ben throughout production. Ben would tease him all the time and stuff because they had like days confused stories to talk about. And like Ben would just flat out be like. Kevin, don't listen to this man. He told Rick Linklater the same things. Look at what happened in Days of Confused. Do your own thing. Like right in front of Jim, he'd be like, shut up. Shut up, Ben. <laughs> um, he came to the Dogma set. There we are shooting fucking Ben and Matt um, right before they go off to win the Oscar. Mm-hmm. Right. We were shooting at the airport. This, this, this very year. This they Oscar left year we're talking from about. the airport right. where yeah. we were shooting them right. in the airport to go receive their Oscar. Why? Jim rolls up unannounced. Hey, I just happened to be in town. And, you know, he knows me. He knows Scott. He knows Ben very well. Um, Jason Muse. And, you know, I didn't facilitate. I wasn't like, uh, hey. This is Jim. Well, they knew each other. But I wasn't like, why don't you guys take some time to talk? Like, Sure. Ben was like, you know, like, he wants me to do a movie that I don't want to do. And I was like, oh. And, it, you know, it, it was weird to suddenly. But you feel bad that you weren't kind of like, come on, Ben. Like, yeah. he was there for well, us. Well, especially because right, I was yeah, so right. judgy about, like, oh, he talks about all these filmmakers. Where are the and where yeah. are they? Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. sure. I, right. I literally became the filmmaker. I realized, like, in that moment when that motherfucker talked to me and said, all that we talked about was you, like, I realized, like, I became that fucking guy that I judged. Like, I would pass Jim Jack's house. Um, like I moved to California in 2002 and we, you know, we'd hung out with Jim 95. We fucking lived in his house. We didn't go stay in a hotel when we made mall rats, like in pre-production, me and Scott stayed at Jax's house. And then during post-production, we stayed at Jim Jax's house and stuff. We were saving money rather than stay at the universal Sheridan, but also like Jim at a home theater. He would take us to like uh, Dave's laser and buy a fucking laser disc. He yeah. buy every laser disc came out. This is a guy who taught us shit, important shit that nobody like, you know, you rarely see meet an elder statesman in the business tells you how to conduct yourself, right? And this guy would talk about we'd go to Laser Dave's Laser, he'd buy literally every every laser disc, every and then later on every DVD. And you'd be like, Jim, why are you buying Juana Man? You're, <laughs> you're never gonna watch this. And in fact, I know you have a copy at home. You so this is a second buy. And you know, you never blast him about that because you could pick through and he'd let you have the extras of his laser disc. I said, Jim, why are you buying this? You're never gonna watch it. And he goes, uh, my whole life, I wanted to be in the movie business. And now the movie business pays my salary. Everything that I buy in this world, that money comes from the movie business. I think I have to put my money back into this business. Right. I have to support the business that supports me. Yeah. He's going, so I'm buying all these filmmakers' films. And part of it is selfish because I'm looking for the next thing. But I hope to God they're buying my movies as well. 
He's like, that's how this thing works. What's so funny about this? I mean, you know, we do every movie when we pick a director, right? right? And we end up spending so much time thinking about these people, not just watching their films in order and spending months chronologically living through, doing all the research and reading these interviews and their collaborators and all this sort of stuff. And I feel like very often we do have those questions where we're like, why didn't they ever work together ever again? You know, someone has a fruitful collaboration. and Like we were just saying, like, why isn't Russell Crowe in Spider-Man 3? Why didn't he play Venom? Why was there never another Bruce vehicle after Army of Darkness? He would give Bruce small roles, but why did he never use the clout to make another Bruce vehicle? You know, why didn't the Coen brothers and Raimi ever write together again, especially when the Coen brothers are coming off of Fargo and Raimi's in sort of like a downslope and all these sorts of things. But careers do have these weird ebbs and flows. Honestly, like, I mean, it's so hard to make a fucking movie. And like, there are some instances where it's personal animus, where so motherfuckers sure. didn't get along. Not working like, with that guy but often yeah, you yeah, hear yeah. those. It does, but, I, but I like, feel like, seep out the when there's a falling The thing I just out. told you about the eight people who almost made this movie. Right. And the, you know, yeah. It's like, this stuff is so alchemical, where it's like so difficult for even a successful movie that people want to make to actually get made. It is. But, I, but, especially yeah. when the audience looks at it and like, oh, come on, so much crap gets made. And it's like, you'd be shocked. Like for everyone to line that up. that crap had to fucking right. go through to right. actually get made. I, I mean, the wildest thing to me is that like we've we have been missing david and i the piece of how does Raimi become the choice i understand it was a last minute thing it was a flyer whatever but jim jacks is clearly the missing piece here feels like it i mean i can't say for sure Sure. but no no no, definitely based on those cards he's the one who's like come on circling sam's Sam's a good choice because rudin told sam like you are not my first choice yeah like which makes sense because one, Scott Rudin seems like a real rude guy. The only yeah, time like, he's ever been that rude two, to anybody. I know. This, <laughs> it seems so uncharacteristic. But yeah. two, this is not the moment where everyone is like, Sam Raimi's about to win an Oscar. No. Right? You know, this is a bit of a no murky time True. for him. And, and you saying yeah. this is such a sort of left field turn. This is such a different thing in his body of work. I'd seen this movie once before. I loved it, but I'd only seen it one time. Mm. And then I, I started rewatching it last night. And there was something that finally clicked for me because I'd always been like, what a weird sort of like curve, you know, this off ramp his career takes into these three sort of prestige studio dramas before he comes all the way so back wait, around. This gift and what's uh, the For Love of the Game. The, the for Love baseball of the Game. Movie. The, right. the Kevin Costner baseball. Yeah. yeah. And Which, then he with makes a the gun to my head, I probably would not have remembered Never. was Sam Raimi. Right. That's the weirdest I would have been like, that feels like a Nancy biggest, Myers like, movie. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Like, incredibly bizarre. And right? no shade on Nancy Myers, folks. No. I don't want to be dragged on Twitter going like, oh, listen, him coming for Nancy yep. Myers. She just makes a very specific kind Absolutely. of glossy studio movie, which yep. that feels more like. Absolutely. I, 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 no, no, honestly, it is. I, it's the I'm only never going to watch that movie. I, I've never watched it. I hate fucking baseball, but I do love baseball movies. Same. Baseball movies are good. It's, are. I, it's the only Raimi I've never seen, and I am like, I'm interested to see like it's is there something for you guys this? yeah because it's, it's yeah. the future yeah, yeah. it's the uh, next it's the next it's one. next one after yeah. this this is what he did he did that he does this then for he love does of the, the game gift. the next year and the gift the year after that it's three movies 98 99 2000 it's like a perfect trilogy of his adult of him like swinging for an oscar oscar drama like him, yes. and, yeah. And, yeah. It, and you know what i'm gonna take a guess here mm. based on my career based on careers of others people i've spoken to um that is an external, I'm not going to say pressure, but influence. He has talked about. I that, don't think yeah. Sam Raimi is like, I want him to win an Oscar. I think it's a bunch of people going, yeah. you're grown up now. Yeah. You've done Enough a lot. Enough with the shenanigans. Now it's sure. your time. I think right. there's an additional thing, which is he came up with the Coen brothers. Mm-hmm. They were all making kind of goofball, sort of like genre right. lark movies. Even, running around even, with cameras, literally right. running around with cameras. Right. Right. 
And then they have Fargo, right? Fargo, which is their recovery film after Hudsucker, Hudsucker. is their first big flop, which is the one they write with Raimi. Yeah. And the only they wrote other... Hudsucker with Raimi. Yeah. Yes. Oh, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> he put himself in the fucking script. He put script. himself in the fucking movie. <laughs> so I think like those guys suddenly become legitimate. They're serious filmmakers now. And people still view Raimi as like this sort of like genre obsessed kid, you know? And the Hudsucker of it all, you can't discount too. Right. Because having been involved in a movie that did not succeid. Yeah. Or worth or, or yeah, that costs a lot of money sure. and you're disappointed. But what happens right. is it's just like, if you know your, your Bible stories, it's just like when Jesus gets arrested. Yeah. All the apostles are like, huh? Who? Uh, Jesus what? what? I don't know that guy. Never met him. The yeah. cock's crowing somewhere. Like, right. nobody knows each other. Up until the moment the movie comes out, you're like, we're bonded for life, motherfucker. Yeah. We made this thing together. <laughs> and when the returns come in... It's it's not it's no judgment against anybody, but this is a very unique phenomenon that I've noticed time and time again in my career. Everyone scatters. Yeah. You just want to go as far away right. from the bomb as possible, right. and you need to manage your career. That's what a lot of this feels like. Yeah, at no, the end I of think the day. that's the career management, yes. and even right. the choices that Sam seems to make in this corridor. Yeah, well, which I'm glad he directs this movie. Absolutely, because I love this movie, but. It seems more like career maintenance than a guy going like, "I need to tell this story." It does, and if you think like, there's nothing wrong with that. By Dark the way, Dark Man no, is a good not. movie that did pretty well. Yeah, but nonetheless, I do feel like mostly he's still the Evil Dead guy. Yes, yeah, and it's just kind of like, are you now? You know, Quick in the Dead doesn't really work. It's like, are you just the Evil Dead guy? Right? Like the more movies you make, so that he don't wants really... to show like, I'm, I think so. I don't right. need to move it's the camera to tell a story. It's I can a challenge. tell That's a very subtle I think story. He's comparing himself to the Coens, right? And he's like, they had new evolutionary leap in how they're perceived. I have not had that leap. People mm. still view me as right. run around Gonzo kid guy, right? On top of that, no, none buddy. of those movies are becoming blockbusters right. dark man respectable hit army of darkness does okay but it's not like i've escalated to being you know i haven't had a gremlins i haven't had a jaws like right. I, so he's I'm, uh, hold on I'm, I'm just gonna put a pause right yep. there i cannot believe your go-to for successful blockbuster movies is gremlins i'm thinking joe dante i love joe dante's a similar like kinetic movie nerd all right fair enough loves cartoons it and right. it has right. the movie that like crosses over i see it. right and it's like you found a way to get into the mainstream culture That's i right. don't think he's had that and then he talks about that he felt like everyone thinks of me as the crazy camera guy i want to challenge myself to see can i find a script that is just human character-based you know, it's there That's on the this. page, and I can lock the camera down and focus on performance. But, like, why does Jim Jacks so early on go, this is a Raimi project? And I always thought it was incongruous in his career, but something about this rewatch clicked it for me. And especially the opening shot of The Crow, right? He keeps these crows circling mm. around the whole movie. And I think he does a very good job of not overdoing it. Right. But it is sort of, I, I do think this movie is kind of biblical. It's this morality yeah, tale. For sure. Huge morality for sure. tale. Right. And right. the crows are almost Midwestern like, as well. Absolutely. I mean, not just its setting, but like the morale, the, the yes. morals involved, right. uh, which is which is exciting. If you set this movie in the East Coast or fucking in, in Los Angeles, everyone's a shithole from absolutely. the start. Yep. But you get to watch uh, Bridget Fonda go from the voice of reason. Good yes. people disintegrate. To morally. the voice right. of greed. Right. And, and you compare Deception. it to Fargo, where Fargo is a movie that is almost supernatural and people who are just inherently good and inherently bad. Right. right? And they right. spiral So up much further. so that by the end of the movie, our main character is fucking baffled. Yes. 
at how they've arrived. I don't how even she's arrived understand in the car it. with this guy behind her. Right. Yeah. She's so pure she cannot even fathom it. Whereas William H. Macy is always operating on this level, right? And this is a movie of people who make small decisions that slowly disintegrate. They take the bite of the apple mm. and they never recover, right? And watching nice. it this time, it clicked for me nice. where I'm like, nice. Nice metaphor. thank you. The Crow is sort of like his visualization of the way the camera, the crazy Raimi can in Evil Dead is the evil, right? right. When you have the crazy moving yeah, through the yeah, woods yeah. thing, you're like, you. there's just evil here. Right. And once the evil enters the house, this guy's fucked and he's never going to recover. He just goes further and further into chaos and his life spirals out of control. And this movie's a similar thing where the second they open that fucking bag and they have seen the money, yeah, the tough. idea of the money exists, everyone's brain breaks. Yeah. It, there's just an evil that is absorbed no, I into get the you. world. Yeah. What were you going to say, Ben? Well, I loved the term you used before we started recording, David, which is this is a don't do it movie. Don't yes. do it movie. And <laughs> that <laughs> idea, I've, I didn't Look. make the connection. I've, this is the first time I've ever seen this movie, but you're right. This is almost like kind of a weird genre of just storytelling in general. Don't read the book. Don't, don't, don't play the tape. tape. Which, which, right? Name, name, a, evil name Dead, another certainly. example. Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two. Like uh, this, it, it book, weirdly right? fits into the Evil Dead thing of like, don't let the thing I mean, out. The be- I mean, like, look, my wife and I. My wife is. A- very much a rule follower. I was like, well, come on, what would you do? You know, because you're watching a school teacher. A literal school teacher. That was, by the way, part of the fun of this movie when it came out was, and and still today, is like, what would you do? Yeah, it's like, And I was like, I was, my my, she was like, I would just call the cops or do nothing. I would just not do it. You know, which I was like, that is correct. That is absolutely, I was like, you're not lying to me. That's definitely what you (laughs) do. And I was like, I would take the money and it would go wrong for me. Yeah, yeah. It's like I don't think I'm not like I would take the money because I know what to do. You know, yeah, you you, whatever, you mix the you know you check your cereal. No, I would take the money and it would fucking maybe I'm not suffocating people in snowdrifts day two, but it, it would go wrong. Day two. It would 100 percent go it's wrong. It's a quick slide it's for a, Bill Paxton. It's a, it's a sharp like turn. it begins with the I guess the dude on the the snowmobile right? Yes. Yeah, that's the, the but whole that's thing. Jacob's fault. Jacob kind of it is his panics. fault. And hit, strikes the dude. It is his fault. And then Bill Paxton. And then Paxton just does up. the calculation yeah. of like, there's only one thing I can. And do there's here. a it's a wonderful performance beat. And Bill Paxton, a great actor. Um, Would uh, you take the money, Chris? I wouldn't. I just want to quickly uh, talk but about that Paxton performance a beat where he goes, where he has to decide to smile. He's yeah, like, absolutely. call the cops. Right. Your brother hit me, and he has to fucking decide. Not huge. There's no big camera move. Like we're coming around him yeah. to show a different perspective. They just hold on him, and you watch it all go across his, his face. reactions. A, He's got like four or five silent reaction moments in this movie that are profound. It's I, an I just, underrated performance. Absolutely, I, I would not take the money because my anxiety is so overwhelming. And this I was is, talking. You don't about strike this me as watching it. This. You don't like money. No, well, money freaks me out. Money kind of freaks. It you freaks out, me out. Right. But also, like the Paxton, how quickly he has to go into like, here's the move. Here's the branching tree of the story. Right. We say this and this and that, and then constantly having to adjust. I'm like too much to maintain. Don't want to. Do, right. No money. Too, is too worth, many steps ahead. Right. Yeah. Having to keep all these lies in head. Not to put him on blast, but. Ben did text us this morning. <laughs> Can I just read this, Ben? Yeah, sure. If I found that money, I'd do everything right, and the story would end with me owning an island. <laughs> ben has supreme confidence that he would nail this situation. I stand by that. Where are you getting an island for four point four yeah, million? Yeah, I don't know if you're getting an island. It could be a small island. You got to split up <laughs> real small. You Maybe it's on a lake. It doesn't have to be on the ocean. Good point. You know? <laughs> oh, that's a fair point. Yeah, lake island. Lake okay. island. Lake island. They can get you on a lake island though. Yeah, no, you're not in the <laughs> yeah. international waters. We have you surrounded. <laughs> lake island. Right. Okay, that's a good point. All right. What fair do you enough. think in a movie full of um, 
unintentionally sinister mm. efforts. What do you think is the most sinister thing that happens in the movie? Do you have an answer? Like I do. A, okay, I have one okay, that okay, I prefer. Okay. I mean... Because mind you, people are killed. Yeah, people are killed. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's a death. I think it's the guy, that old guy, overpaying for his feedback. <laughs> I think that's that what... Is, that's the crux of the story. You try yeah. to tell this guy they're five weeks in a month? That's fucked up. It's five Mondays. I got to answer the phone. Yeah. The um, I think it's Bridget Fonda telling him what life is going to be like yeah. when they get rid of the that money. scene. Where she, like, yeah. first it's him, it's Jacob, it's the baby, and then it's, she's like, what about me? Right. And then you get to the heart of the matter. Plaster on smile. Oh. We go out to and dinner only for special holidays, and I think about what I'm ordering. Yeah, she's like, and I can't order appetizers. It's kind of a it, they predict the, the tube moment, They, too. they, they, they do tell you the, the ending. fucking yeah, ending true. in the movie, and it's when true. she's putting those books back... Oh, it's so fucking haunting. How do you? How does that, that how relationship? Can you look at her again? Of course, that's what I'm right. saying. Yeah, how do you yes. live in that relationship yes. for the rest of your life, right. knowing that like you think I fucked up by burning this that's money? That's the thing. It's it's what they reveal about themselves and what they reveal about themselves to each other that there's no going back from. And like the, the book had a darker ending. Well, because Jacob dies it? a lot. Jacob dies a lot earlier in the book. Yes. I believe. I'm, uh, glad, I'm glad they didn't do that because I think it's, it's absolutely a, it is it is the and that height was Scott of fucking Smith's tragedy. It feels idea. like a Shakespearean right. tragedy. Absolutely. And absolutely. that moment yeah. when he's like, just you do it. Do this, I don't right. want to be here yeah. anymore. I, and I, he's I, making him, he's like, I'm going to do it or you're going to do it. Right. And if I do it, you're fucked. Right. It is. It, it, it's it's it, 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 if the genre is the don't do it movie. Yeah. That yeah. is yet another, like, don't do it moment, right, right. and he fucking does it. I know. I think the book is also maybe more explicitly violent. Like, I think yeah. this the, the, the movie tones that down in terms of it's more like it's a suffocation, something like that. But that's wise, again, to me. Because if you're putting, like, gory violence on screen... The audience kind of can't get over Especially it. Especially right? for Raimi. He's done so much gore, he has to know, like, yeah. I don't want to fucking splatter the Well, he the does the, syrup. well, I mean, he does it long before Chris Nolan, but the Chris Nolan, you know, uh, fucking Joker stabbing and yes. cutting everybody thing, where yeah. it's like... You just cut away. Or it's just it, a it's loud fucking noise. Exactly. <laughs> right, right. And you don't see a thing, and you're right. like, yeah. fuck, that was I'm vicious. freaked out. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Same That's thing here, you, you don't see yeah. Billy Bob take the bullet. No. No. Um, the, you know, the most visual fucking Brent Bristow death is, is, is Becky and Baker, but that's even, yeah. it takes place in total shadow. Let's give a, what's his name? Brent Briscoe? Yes. Brent Briscoe. So fucking Amazing. Passed Him away going, a couple years a ago. One of those guys. Yeah. Incredible yes. character actor. He did away. recently die, uh, and just in like 40 million movies. Yeah. And you're always like, you know, like. And this was get? his crowning achievement though. I this is so. the perfect Brent Briscoe Especially because you think he's going to be in. 10 minutes in the movie and he's right. actually in two thirds and you much. like him too you're you like oh more of this guy more yeah. of this guy I mean again in a movie that has Billy Bob uh, Billy Bob Thornton giving perhaps one of the greatest performances right. one of the most ever commanding in a character yeah. actor yeah Everyone else is it, uh, the high what is it the uh, high tide raises all boats yes, or whatever yes, the fuck absolutely. everyone yeah is fucking We brain. found that in Quick and the Dead too, where that movie starts and in the opening credits you're getting like split card four names and you're like, these four guys are in it too? Right. You know, he just keeps on stacking them in and there's something about how well cast this whole movie is. i watch that again tonight. It's so that fucking good. Really movie. good. But all the small parts, he understands like, it, this movie is so well cast and even when you get to Gary Cole that late in the movie mm. and you're like, you need to cast this part He's perfectly. He's a cherry on the Because Sunday. the audience needs to grab onto him really quickly. And Gary Cole is a guy 
who is equally well cast playing G-Man and Creep. Yeah. Like he is right. the yeah. perfect for both of them. He can be them. an idiot. No, a hundred percent. He I can love be Garrett a creep. Cole. He can be a functionary. He can be Mike Brady. Right. So he walks yeah. in and yeah. you're just like, yeah. I don't know if this is Mike Brady. I yeah. don't know if this is some random good guy comp or if this is the most sociopathic man in the world. And you don't know if Bridget Fonda is like fucking out of her gourd yeah, at this point right. by that going point, like, she's it's seen the guy. shadows right. on the guy from the fucking picture. And you're like, and in the movie that we're presented with, you could see a version where yeah. it's like he shoots him and that ain't the fucking, right. he really so he is an shot FBI him. guy. In right, a series exactly. of don't do it, that could I, work. I just think that the movie's handling of the Bridget Fonda character and her performance is mm. one of the things that really differentiates it from movies of this ilk. Because she could be the last thing? monstrous. She, well, no, because Jackie, Br- no, Jackie Brown's the year Jack, before. Yeah. Her last movie is a movie, I think, called right. Delivering My Hello. No, but the year after this is Lake Placid. Which is oh, a which is a hit. fantastic. She's yeah. great right. in that movie. She has Monkey and Bone. She has Monkey Bone. She has that 2001 where it's delivering Milo. The Jet Li movie. Uh, Kiss of the Dragon yeah. is the Jet Li movie. And that is it. That's it. So after Kiss of the Dragon, she's like, I'm tired of this. Yeah. And she had a run for what, 15 years or something? Yeah, I would yeah. say her first sort of big role. Before Single Wife Female. Is what, like Doc Hollywood? Yeah. Or, Ooh, what you know. But it's her 90s run. That, single Wife Female, Single Wife Female, singles. Know, singles. Right. So what she's, is Doc Hollywood? What year is that? That's 91. And uh, so when does she's the- She's like 10 years. She had a good 10 years she, where literally she was in everything. Yeah. She was She was the go to like yeah. Sandy It could happen Bullock. to you. Remember that yeah. lottery yeah. ticket Nick movie? Cage. With Nick Cage. Maybe yes. one of the only successful Nick Cage normal guy performances. Pretty normal guy. That's yeah. true. That's right. Because we were talking about him not fitting into this. It can happen to you. You're like, I almost buy you as just some guy. But I feel yeah. like in Jackie Brown, you're just like, God, she's so funny. Yeah. This is such a specific performance. We're going to have Bridget was, Fonda in That was also so late in her run. And that's too. what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I remember when she popped up in Jackie Brown, it's like, Oh, and you're like she must really fucking love Quentin. Right, right. Why would somebody this right. fucking huge play this bit part and yeah. stuff? Uh, and then obviously this, like, and it's fun. Yeah, I think she truly just packed it in. I think she. I believe Good for she her, man. also. She left it all on the fucking table because, like, oh, I, yeah. you know, it's not like she. She's I, fundamentally wonderful in everything. Yes, like when you always think about yeah, singles, she's not a bad actor. Pull, at all. She no, right. really yeah, gave you're her never a like wonderful. Yeah. And by I mean, the way, I mean she plays... she does the Badam remake of La Femme Nikita, yes, Point yeah. of No Return. Yes, which she's yeah. good in. Which she's really good yeah. in as well. I just saw that for the first time. Um, uh, what was I going to say? She plays Linda in the flashback of Army of Darkness, yeah. where they're she's setting in one. Past, she's right. in one scene and in Army of Darkness. And it's one of those things where you're like, why would she do this? And apparently, it was she was such a big Sam Raimi fan and Dead. such an Evil Dead fan that she's like, is there anything? I heard you're making a third one. Is there anything I can do? That's dope. And she was like, I'll do the silent opening montage flashback. That makes me thing. like her even more. Absolutely. And it's nice that she met Elfman through that. Like, I like everything about it, but the fact that. Her character, you're so, I feel like, programmed to think in a movie like this, she's going to be the voice of reason. She's right. going to be the warrior. She's got bangs. She has a sweater. She she's works got, at a library. She's got a baby. <laughs> she's she's got, got a baby. She has the baby, and she's like, now here's what she's going to get. That yeah, while she's wrong. feeding the baby, <laughs> right. she's like, you're going to get him to record this shit. And, right. and you're like, whoa. You're, you're just buying. Which, by the way, is an insane plan. Oh, there's insane. a lot of there's a lot of. It's not a simple plan. It's a very complicated plan. Yeah. No, but like sh- this is the I don't know about this character and how right. she's coded at the beginning. And then almost immediately she like gets it and she starts coming up with big designs on it. And you're trying to figure out like what made her adjust so fast? Right. How did she become pot committed? And it is that scene where she yeah. says the whole fucking thing, where she has the terror now. Where you now realize that she's had that's, the glimpse. that's what her fucking secret fear is like. Right. 
I'm going to, we, it would have been fine if this money never happened, but now this money happened and you want me to live this fucking tiny life? Like, no way. Now I've allowed myself to think what my life could look like. Mm. And the thought of continuing on the way it is, is unbearable. That restaurant's line really hit me in a way where I was just like. The once a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because I mean, it's one of those things where I started feeling like I I eat like out all the time. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, that's. That's right. Like right. fucking for some people, it's just like we only go out it, it's on a birthday and holiday. And that hits Bill Paxton I mean, in, yes. a, in a real place. Yes. John Mulaney has that. Have you ever heard him tell that story where he was at a comedy club? And you know how comedy clubs like gouge you. Comedy and, clubs gouge you? And like he was, the he was backstage, but he saw a couple sitting down and they are like oh, two drink minimum. And the guy was like, it's okay. We'll just, we won't order any food. And Mulaney was like, I can never not make an effort at one of these things. Like people yeah, right. are paying a lot of money right i might be like this is my third gig of the week or whatever but like you know there are Gotta people here it. who are like this is yeah. their day, right. day out yeah. this, is, this right. week this month or this whatever. year even you possibly. can't fuck around yeah. right Let me, no, it, can i ask brutal. you a yes. quick question about this movie uh is released in 98 yeah uh it probably it set at roughly around the same time you know it's not period piece or anything like that yeah 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 yeah. Does this Although, movie change at all with the internet or I a thought cell about phone? this a lot. I think smartphone changes this movie fundamentally. I think this uh, I is think a, an internet definitely because oh, they absolutely. start looking up where the money came That's the from. Thing. And yeah, not like and it's no longer like a pixelated picture. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And being yeah. able to ping people where they were, the additional paper trail of text. And also, like, do planes disappear anymore in the day of the like even then yeah. did planes disappear? I don't know. This movie Especially it's like it's, it didn't disappear in like the Pacific Ocean. No, it disappeared no. like in, in the forest. In Minnesota. This movie is made yeah. at like the absolute last, last moment, moment yeah. that you could that do it. it totally works and there are no without it being a period piece. that's right. the thing with a lot of those Cohen movies that are yeah. those sort of what a tangled web we weave right. crime movies well, right, right. Yeah. I mean No Country for Old Men is nine years later it has to be and has to be set piece, 20 right. years yeah. early. like Man Who Wasn't There that's a period yeah. piece right yeah. you know uh, whatever um, it, no, it, that's absolutely a, a big factor of it. And the scene where they dump the the guy, the farmer, over the bridge, mm-hmm. right, to stage his thing. There's something Again, where about, you're like, this isn't going to fucking work. Especially, <laughs> I'm like, you guys are way out in the open, and this is in a plain state where yes. it's like, if your dog runs away six days later, you're like, I still see it. <laughs> so if this guy is, like, throwing a dude off a fucking bridge, like, some neighbor but two it's towns like, it's, over didn't happen to see it. It's the kindly sheriff thing where he's just that's like, a huge well, she's, I know you. And she yeah. says it, too. She's like... You have to remember how people see you. Right. right. He's and like the college like, educated and guy. And she has yeah. a devastating line. She's like, "You nobody would ever think you're capable of the things that you've done. Well, Which is <laughs> a mm-hmm. judgment right then mm-hmm. and there. He's like, I'm sticking with you, but FYI. Yeah, but yeah. she's like, I know that you fucking smothered an old man with a, <laughs> right. your two hands, you right. fucking prick. And I've justified it, by the way. I understand why you did the things you do. You're right. not a murderous person. You were put in a difficult position. But I think that's another factor is that, like, this movie is so much based around the perceptions that people have of each other, right? Mm. Bill Paxton weaponizing how he's perceived in the town, how Billy Bob Thornton is perceived in the town. Anytime Billy Bob Thornton slips up, he's able to go like, well, you know, my yeah, brother. He's like, well, he, he heard a plane. Right. Who knows what he heard. And, and I think it's, it's, that, it's the sense of, like, especially, you know, in a small Midwestern town or whatever, the decency of you look a man in the eyes, you tell him the truth, right. do you buy it or not? Right. When you put social media, the internet, text messages, all these things into play, there are too many different types of communication where people can start 
creating their own perception of you, start asking more questions. That's true. The fact that Billy Bob yeah, or yeah, yeah. Paxton can just roll up to someone three days later and be like, huh, you know, I was thinking, and you can sell that. Right. There's something to that, and that moment where they dump the farmer over the bridge, it's like Raimi in a wide shot. Like, it's like a bird's eye view, right? They're yeah. like tiny little ants, and you just see like just white snow. It's in the middle of broad daylight, and they just get out of their truck, and they dump this guy over, and they're like, I think that looks pretty good, and they drive away. You know? <laughs> What's up? But they're not paranoid. They're not Minnesota. like, go, 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 go. What are they going to call? CSI? Exactly. Like, no one's right. going to come here and be like, well, actually, this guy was smothered. Because it's like, well, no. In I mean, CSI, with a smartphone, we're here to investigate. With it's a like, smartphone, yeah, the wrong exactly. guy could walk by at any moment, take sure, a picture, sure. ping it, text Absolutely. someone immediately, all that shit. It falls apart. Okay. Yeah. Let me give you some more context Please, about I this love movie. Context. Uh, Right, so they had to move to fucking Ashland, Wisconsin. That's where they shot this movie. Because That's where there was they found no their snow. snow, finally? That's where they found their snow. They had just a lot of talk about, like, Bill Paxton loved it. I guess Bill Paxton was just a real man of the people type. He strikes me that way. Yes. The barber in I the movie. I met him once. Yeah? Um, very nice guy. Long before I met him, do you remember a motion picture called The Dark Backward? Yes. Yes. Um, oh. And before oh, I even saw Slacker, okay. I went to the um, Angelica Film Center um here in Man- i was gonna say in manhattan we're here in manhattan we are here. um uh, you know and that was the first movie i saw there i went because there was an judd ad nelson? for judd yes. nelson's in it as is uh paxton wayne uh, newton yes lara flynn boyle lara flynn boyle she james huge con from- who directed yes. then again adam rifkin, adam rifkin. yes yeah. right right the, the, you know so um, they have Nelson an guy. ad in the village voice where they're like uh uh judd nelson Lara Flynn Boyle and Bill Paxton are going to be at the midnight screening. And so that's what drives me to New York for the first time is the chance to be in the room with Judd Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. Breakfast Club. Bender. Bill Paxton. Fucking aliens and shit. And of course, weird science as well. Of course. Chet. Um, Chet. And Lara Flynn Boyle, who I was a massive twin peaks fan right. at that point and that's right when that's like i got it's huge at that point i go up to see this movie and they're there as promised fucking famous people and like i never see famous people in my life so there they are and shit like that before the movie begins there's a trailer for a motion picture called slacker and oh, i go great. oh i want to f- we should come back and see that so, so they're saying truly, paxton's wow. the fish hook yeah paxton that gets is you a in bit there. of a hook yeah. that pulls me into into the angelica which leads to me eventually seeing Slacker. Now, I'm not going to lay my career at the feet of Paxton, well, and I doubt he would have wanted that. Yeah. Uh, Seems especially like a my career. Fella, right. But yeah. He would have appreciated, I think, the fact that I went to that screening because I told him when I met him through John, I was like, there was a screening right. of the dark backward, and he remembered that That's screening. Nice. He, just, he didn't remember seeing me, no, obviously. Yeah. I was like, did you see the one random dude in the middle of the audience? He's but one he of those guys where I feel like. He had one of the most sterling reputations. Anyone yeah. I would talk to worked. Never heard anything bad about him. That guy, so even in death, it's not like, well, you know, it came out afterwards. Yeah. Right. No. And like incredibly collaborative. And he has such an interesting '90s because you, like, he's he's more of a character actor, right? He's being yeah. viewed the way that like Cameron uses him from right? the late '80s on. Yes, like essentially, like from weird from right. aliens, weird science on. He is the. The character guy. Somehow Near he dark, becomes the lead Twister. Too. Well, it's Twister. It's, and it's weird Near that he's incredible. the guy in Twister. Twister. So Twister is what turns him into a leading yeah, man? Yeah, and then he becomes this sort of surprising normal They're guy leading man. They're in it for the man. money, not the science. 
That was his big line. But he was talking like, about the other guys in the black cars. They're in it for the money, not the science. You really. feel like Paxton is in that because just being in enough Cameron movies makes him like a guy who feels comfortable in a blockbuster. But he's not an obvious choice to be the leading man of that movie. And then he carves out this interesting zone because he doesn't have the swagger of a movie star. Probably budget, right? Like, but like, at that point, they're yeah. like, we got Helen Hunt. We got right, a sitcom right. we star. We need another we need guy. A, we, we need a guy who's on. this. Because right. they're like, yeah. you know who the star yeah. is? Is fucking twisters Tornado. and cows. That's the whole thing. He's in yes. Mighty Joe Young. He's right. the lead of that. You know right? the star of that is. Right. He's, he's in U five seven one. Yeah. You know the star of that limit, is. Right? Oh my god, right. he's you know a utility I mean? man. Yes. Right. That exactly. you could stick in into any movie right. about a thing. But he went That's from being the guy who was the color in the corner of the movie. Yeah. Right. Be Hudson. Like he in could near be dark. fucking big. Yeah. Right. right. So good. In near dark. Exactly. To then becoming this odd kind of just like collaborative utility player, leading man, normal leading man, guy. Though, that's the key. The two key words right. is like you could see him letting, or I don't. Yeah. You could understand him letting go of the colorful roles. Yes. Because the thing that he never considered while coming up with Cameron. Yeah. Was, oh, I will be the leading. Be man. the first no name. No leading on the man. Call. But yeah, arrogance. attractive right. dude. Yeah. Yeah. Has German. all the right fucking elements you'd want in a leading man. And there's man. something very personable. There's something very Midwestern. He doesn't feel like an everyman, but he feels like a normal guy. Where is he there's from, just... by the way? Bill, Bill Paxton. Paxton? Let me find out. I mean, I'm assuming he's from you want to South say of Texas, America. right? Uh, he's from Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Feels like a Texan. I mean, um, he had the draw, but I didn't know if that was a Yeah, performance. but you know, he's he's done a lot of... I mean, okay. So, but like that... And there's another movie he's in, of course, mm-hmm. around this time. Mm-hmm. A movie called Titanic. Kind of a big Big deal. movie. Big movie. People Holy forget he's shit. people forget he's the bookend of that I one. I forgot he's the framing he device. He took yeah. everyone in town to go see Titanic because it came out while they were shooting this <laughs> wow. movie, which is seems like a fun thing. Yeah. What do you mean? He, like they're in this small town, like the bar. So while they're making movie, a simple plan, yes. he's like, "Hey, let's go." He's like, hey, see I'm Titanic. in this movie. I'm in the boat movie. Let's go see <laughs> let's the boat go movie. See it. Uh, the you barber were working this, on your packs. I'm you know working I mean? on like, it. The barber yeah. in this film, that's like the local barber. Like they, you know, they were just kind of bringing in like the locals. Like apparently, you know, it's like it's one of those things. Like they take over the town, so the town's like, "Hey, sure, what do you need?" Right? Fifty-five day shoot, snowy, cold, nasty. I mean, it seems like it was kind of a pain in the ass. But they must be thinking like fifty below, fifty-five tracks for studio drama. Oscar Darling, here's a role that on paper this guy's gonna fucking kill it. This feels like a slam dunk nomination. And then the middle of this movie coming out, Titanic blows up. Right. And Titanic, the runoff is so strong, and Paxton is the fucking beginning and the end he of the is. movie yeah. where that boosts his profile even more. People must have been like, we're playing with house money. So wait, was Titanic pre or post Twister? Titanic post. is post, because Twister's 96, Six? and right. Titanic's 97, and then this, this movie comes out in 98. Yeah. Um, Jim Jacks mentioned here in our research, um, because obviously Sam Raimi, famous for his wild camera work, right? Mm. So he was very much like, I had a lot of confidence in the script. I just wanted to put the camera in the right place. I wanted the actors to tell the story. Jim Jack says Paramount, very concerned about his camera work, and told Jim, you are monitoring whether or not he's reining it in. And the studio told, yeah, like, you're told on Jim Jack, duty. You're on, exactly. He, the Keep quote it on is, sticks. Don't give that guy a fucking track. But, and let's just, like, look, we all love this movie, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we uh, think it's an incredible achievement. But let's just pause for a moment and think about the note behind that note. Mm. Essentially, a studio, in this instance, Paramount, big studio, is like, 
Um, you know what Sam Raimi does? Don't let him do that. You yeah. better not let yeah. him. Why not the only, fuck would you hire that guy's a guy? That too cinematic. Yeah, and be like, don't <laughs> do the thing that you do. Yeah. It, it is weird that they'd hire him. And like that, that is, that probably is the, like you're saying, it's the Jim Jacks thing where he's like, I can vouch for this guy. And they're like, you better watch yeah, his, I'll ride him. I'll watch ride his him. ass. Right. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the uh, fucking Sam whisperer. Because right. Jack says my biggest job was to sit on set and he didn't, and make sure he didn't do any quote unquote tongue in cheek stuff. Which by the way, for Hard Target, Sam Raimi was the backup director because the studio was so terrified of John Woo and they were like, how many fucking birds is he going to put in this thing? <laughs> Raimi sits behind him and if he's going too crazy, day five, we fire Woo and Raimi takes over. Right. And now Raimi's in a position where they're like, you better not do this fucking crazy Raimi shit. It is it is funny that they were so against like that any was, kind of maximalist. That was very much a thing of um, my era. When I first got into the business was, we love what you do. Now change it. Right. Tone and it down. And they don't seem to do that anymore. Well, no. But then again, it's also a different world. Like, for example, There's I was so a Sundance kid. with these things. Yeah. John yeah. Watts. Sure. Yes, Sundance. Yes, yes. yes. Right. And then went from one Sundance movie, Made a tiny Sundance movie, right. straight into right. the fucking mainstream. Well, that's right. the thing. There's no longer that, like Chris Nolan does Insomnia post Memento. It's like, okay, Insomnia, a very similar yeah. movie to this, right? You're going to do yeah. your cold crime movie. Quiet. You can have some movie stars. You're going to have a big ish budget. Let's see how you it's, do it. It's a middle right. step. And now it's just like, yeah. oh, you did. You shot Kevin Bacon three weeks in a cop car. You want to make $250 million Spider Man? I mean, and we were and talking what is, about Have you ever this? seen a cop car? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a wonderful movie, but what do you think Kevin Foggy saw that said Spider-Man? I don't know, except that like it is like it's it it, it tonally probably appealed to him, and like this is balancing goofiness and humor with like a little bit of an edge, edge, right? Like, but apart from that, I mean, I I am such a Kevin Bacon slut that I was just kind (laughs) of like Kevin Bacon's having a great time, right? So maybe there's the kind of thing of like. He got every ounce of juice out of this movie star. But right? I also feel I like I, I, I just feel I like know, I don't know how heard... Feige does that though. How he's like this one. So. I've heard I mean, that Watts give it up is for incredible in the room for having an eye. Oh, absolutely, yeah, something to be said right. for seeing the person and being like, oh, I, think I think I can get something. Cast a wide net with these movies, right? We're like Chloe Zhao getting Eternals. People were like, where the fuck does that come from? Mm. It was like he met with her on Black Widow. And he met with her on that because he saw the writer. And no one else would have made that jump. And he was like, we're not ready to hire you for this, but good meeting will keep you in mind, you know? And I think John Watts was probably a wide net, let's meet with this guy. He made a good calling card movie. We'll keep him in mind. And then everything I've heard is that he just pitched the shit out of that movie. That he was the guy who had the best take. And even if he didn't have the bona fides, they were like, his enthusiasm, he seems to have a real handle. He's like, I'm a good backstop. I I will. He's like, look, I'll be be Jim Jacks. I'll sit on the set make sure they make Spider-Man. No one can possibly fuck them up too much now. It's it's unique. I mean, because we've yeah. been talking a lot in just going through these episodes where it's like when you zoom out, it is wild that Sam Raimi got hired to make Spider-Man. It is wild because he was coming off of three adult dramas right. and his genre movies were seen as like a little second class. Niche. They weren't big blockbusters. Right. And, uh, and they people, just didn't hire nerds to make superhero and movies. They don't I hire mean, nerds. right. You could say this. Right. You were, you if were, you were too yeah. big of a fan, they would get worried. Yeah. Right. And they were like, they didn't uh, want to hire. Like I remember when I went into the studio, um, I got that the Superman. Game. Right, you were on Superman. Right, in the, the Superman list. Right. Yeah. Uh, my first thing to them was like, why don't you hire Mike Carlin, who runs the DC Superman group, all <laughs> yeah. the comics yeah. in. Right. Super- he's fucking written every Superman story there right. is, and the 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 
it was uh, Basil Iwanek, who's went on to, I think he produced Argo and stuff like that, but he was a studio exec at that point. And he goes, um, yeah, but he's a comic book guy. Right. right. They, they're just like, no, no, no. They, they did people. not want right. comic book guys writing movies, which right. I'm right. like, it makes no sense. Now? Yeah. They fucking cherry pick like fucking right. crazy. And by the way, like someone on our Reddit was going like, why do they keep on talking about how weird it was that Raimi got hired? Like, look at Tim Burton. It was Batman was his third movie. He had made yeah. two comedies for Warner Brothers. And it's mm. like, first of all, those two comedies were very successful. They both, and both overperformed. They were both for Warner Brothers. Right. He was in the studio. He was stable. in the studio yeah. system. Yeah. They liked him. He had a clear vision. And the other thing was they wanted so badly to make Batman into a comedy. There were so many years of development yeah. of like, let's do Ivan Reitman, Bill Murray Batman. Batman was still based around the Adam West perception. A great issue of Starlog from nineteen eighty three that has Return of the Jedi on the cover, yeah. maybe eighty four. Um, I still have it. But inside there's an interview with Tom Mankowitz. Script doctor Tom Mankiewicz, right. who was most famous for at that point writing Superman, Superman. Yeah. a movie, um, with Mario Puzo, with Mario Puzo, but largely <laughs> who, who mostly got his shit thrown out. Yeah, um, he gives this interview where he talks about doing a very dark Batman mm -hmm. compared sure. to the Adam West thing, and yeah. they drew. There's an uh, uh, an illustration, Mad Magazine type illustration of you know Batman and Robin, Adam West and Burt Ward in a closet, and a guy in a armored bat suit slamming the door. <laughs> sure, sure. Six years before yeah. fucking Batman. Burton, yeah, yeah. So he, I'll never forget this. He took because it captured my imagination. He goes, uh, "For the Penguin, we're thinking about Peter O'Toole." Yeah. Where you're like, what? <laughs> That would have been fucking amazing. But he also said, but like for Batman Bruce Wayne, we're thinking Bill Murray, but yeah. not comedic Bill Murray, sure. Razor's Edge right. Bill Murray. Razor's so Edge, they were right, trying to They were trying to, to skew the tone. it. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. like it ain't right, going to be right, silly right. like the other right. Batman. We're going to go dark. But I mean, the cultural perception of Batman was still very much Adam West. Yeah. Totally and I, I blah, think Burton right. gets the job because he's a comedy director and surprises but, everyone by it, playing it more straight than But isn't than it also expect. that it's just like, they're, they're, it's not hallowed ground in the same way back no. then. Not that they're not treating it with a lot no, of... No, it's definitely know. not hallowed ground. There were like, we we got to worry about these comic book people. There's a million directors who are like, fuck no, I'm not doing a Batman movie. That's ridiculous. And think about it. Like he, I think he winds up with Batman because he makes two very successful movies right. for yeah. Warner Brothers. You get pick it a litter. What do you want right. to do? These are our these are the Glenn Gary leads and yeah, shit. Yeah. And in it, he recognizes something where he's like, oh, I could play with Batman. Right. He's not my no, he favorite didn't, he thing. Didn't care like, about it I think I could that, do a right, cool yeah. dark version of but this. But the jobs aren't as competitive in the way at that time. They're not the desired, the the no. gold, the brass ring movie jobs, right? right? It's not the top I of the I think mountain. a lot of people yeah, duck yeah, in it. I think absolutely. you're right. I think a and lot he, of people be like Batman. And I no think thanks. even with Spider-Man at that point, that's still true. Because Spider-Man's the one that changes it all. Like when that thing yeah. becomes like the hit upon hits, that's when it's like, but, oh shit. This, right, obviously X-Men had been the year before, but right. still. I it's thought still about like, the fact that like Mason. Raimi is not the obvious choice. No, not point. really. No, he was like, I was so brilliant choice. So who makes the choice? Well, we'll talk about we'll talk it, but about I mean, it. I don't know. Who does make the choice? I think it's a combination of Arad and Pascal. Yeah, Avi Arad right? obviously yeah. is involved. Right. I mean, right. Yeah, but but I person. do think, weirdly, it's like, 
I don't think he ever would have gotten hired for Spider-Man if he hadn't made a simple plan. Because they were like, this guy made a grown-up picture. He's got to make us, I like, think you're right. you know, like... He could, do, he could do it all. Right. Spe- speaking of all this, I do want to point out... They couldn't predict predicted he would have gone full fucking MGM musical with Spider-Man and was like, I'm going to make this so stylized. And- I mean, like, one beat in three movies, and the guy's got to carry it like herpes for the rest yeah. of his life. You made Spider-Man dance! It's like, come on. That beat is so good, too. It's like fucking... <laughs> That's that's pure Raimi shit. It is pure yes. Raimi, but that's yes. the thing. It's almost it's coming out of the box, and people are like, "Whoa, this is right. so they much." Needed, they yeah. needed Jim Jacks to sit yeah. on set and right. tell him not to right. Raimi that too much. The other thing that's interesting, obviously, the whole weird connection of all this is like, you know, who who was on Spider Man before Raimi is Jim Cameron, yeah. right? For years, right? yeah. I'll give a good point. Yeah, yeah and yeah. and uh, Bill Paxton's in this movie, obviously, and he's got this great quote that this uh, that our researcher dug up, where. When they were, when Paxton and Cameron, I guess, are making Terminator, mm. Cameron's like, let's go see Evil Dead 2. I don't know why. No, it must have been late in that because Evil Dead 2 is late 80s, right? Uh, 86. But basically, yeah. Cameron calls up Bill Paxton and is like, have you seen Evil Dead 2 yet? Bill's like, what's it must Evil have been Dead? Aliens. It must have been when they were doing aliens. aliens. Sure. Yeah. Bill's like, what's Evil Dead 2? And Cameron says, I'll pick you up in 15 minutes. <laughs> they go to like a dollar theater. They see Evil Dead 2 at like five in the afternoon. Cameron has already seen it and he's like, watch this movie. They watch the movie and at the end he's like, this guy's a hell of a filmmaker. It's not every day you see a movie that starts a new genre. This is the horror cartoon. Like, so Cameron's just blown away by Raimi. So there is that intermingling. Like Cameron clearly recognizes like this guy is not a Game recognizes game. This guy is like a special filmmaker. He, you know, Paxton apparently was like a runner up for Dark Man. So like. Was he really? He'd been like circling Raimi before that. And like, you know, like. something really oddly satisfying and even a little bit titillating at knowing that Jim Cameron was like, I'm going to take you to see Evil Dead. Isn't it cool? Like that he was it like, gives me like passing goosebumps. it around, like the way you pass yeah. around. Like, Especially you got to watch 80s. Holy Grail. Here's that's my tape. To, right, pre, I mean, it's VHS here, I guess, but still, right, where it's like, we're going to the fucking dollar theater right now. Like, this thing is this like is a, a secret. This is a filmmaker yeah. taking an actor yeah. to see somebody else's look, film. Look at what this guy's doing yeah, with the camera. And, and you being know. a big fan of it. This is me, like, a decade plus later having older nerds tell me, like, you gotta fucking watch Evil Dead 2. And the idea that the person who exposes you to Evil Dead 2 is James Cameron. Yeah. My, rather than the guy at the video store, you know? It's true. My, my other First favorite time thing, I watched that, it was with the guy that made Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> my other because basically, because this, all the research is just filled with people being like, Raimi's great. You know, Paxson being like, I always wanted to work with him because Cameron had turned me on to him, right? You know, Gary Cole basically says, and this is recently says, that's the best movie I've ever been in. Simple wow. Thing. And I'm barely in it. And it's I, still I would, my favorite movie in terms of movies I've been in. I, I, you know, I would have to give a long, hard think to his career. He's got a long filmography. He's got a he's big a filmography, ton of good movies. Right. He's, he's got, I mean, he's within fucking four films of being absolutely yeah. accurate and if like, he's not accurate he's not that crazy to think film. that he's like yeah like i've been in fifth you know and he's like i'm barely in it and still it's the greatest and like that's fuck. the best fucking thing i ever it's imminently watchable movie which is why i have been watching it for decades i saw it at the beverly center when it first came out on sure. a tiny ass screen yeah. that i this is gonna sound gross but my tv screen at home now is bigger than the one we saw yes. a simple plan <laughs> in the tiniest theater but once it came out on uh, DVD, it never left 
rotation. It would be a go to sleep film. You said, I mean, it's, it's got... like important to your relationship with your wife. Absolutely. It is one of like the five movies upon which are like, and we barely knew each other when she got pregnant and married and stuff. So like you learn a lot about motherfucker when you go to the movies <laughs> with them. This is how I learned about like, well, this is the person I'm spending the rest of my life with who's having our child. Um, yeah. You know, the fact that she loved this movie and thought it was brilliant. I was like, all right, well, she's smart. <laughs> we have the similar taste in film. But it was also a comfort movie. We've seen it so it many times. it does have gentle energy as much as it makes you squirm and you're like, oh, Bill, don't do it. You know, like. Yeah. But if you've seen it a hundred times. Then it's like, like a warm this, blanket this where you're up, like, right. oh, here comes all the bad decisions. The, the ambiance <laughs> of it is weirdly comforting. And and the Elfman score is so fucking good. And I and feel also, like unlike anything else in his career. Elfman doing what uh, Sam Raimi, what we're accusing yes, Sam Raimi yes. of doing here, which is not, not being doing Sam Raimi. Right. He's None not doing Elfman Danny Elfman. It's that such a point. good score. And, you know, everyone's trying to win an award is what it feels yeah, but like. Not but not as a way to you off. Yes. Not exactly. in a thirsty, no, desperate no, way. No, love integrity. But all the yeah. elements were there where it's just like, this is a grown-ass movie and it could probably win awards. And everyone challenging themselves. Yeah. Yeah. One of the best scenes in the movie, right, is, I, I'm sure you guys agree, is that monologue that Thornton does about his high school girlfriend, oh, right? God, just fucking in the car, right? Like a big, incredible, probably his Oscar clip. I guess yeah. I, I don't know what it was, but you know, I, I, I don't know the moment. Him at the end of the movie, where the he the goes, where he goes, like tell the tell the girl the bears for me. We do that. Is that fucking really devastating. The, the, All that uh, stuff with the yeah. bear actually really yeah. Especially when me. she's like judgy about the bear. She's like this dirty old thing, and he's and, like, and no, Paxton's this is the bear like, from my childhood. This is kind of important. Oh, okay, right. But 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 that scene, like that scene, that's Raimi just again. He's not moving the camera around. He's not doing like because on Quick of the Dead, there's a lot of stories of him being like, "Okay, Gene Hackman, I have eight camera setups I want to do. You're gonna like cock your gun. You're gonna do. The, you're gonna tip your head." And Hackman's like, "I hate this shit." Is that right? He was that, like, that's oh, Quick of the was Dead. dead. Like, I don't know. Like, where he's like, I have a, yeah. right. Yeah. Where his simple plan, he's like, Raimi's like, I'm leaving the camera running. Thornton improvised that entire speech. Are you fucking that's kidding a me? real story from his life. You're shitting. Yeah, that's from my childhood. That's not in the book. No, Thornton says we were losing the light, and I just kind of told that story kind of at the end of the day. I didn't prep anyone for it, and I didn't like talk about it with anyone afterward. Wow. And like Raimi was just like that was like watching theater for me. Like that was just like oh shit, what it's a, incredible. What a isn't what that a great cool? catch? And yeah. oh god, could you imagine you're already making a pretty cool movie and then all of a sudden somebody's like, oh by the way, here. And it's just like guys <laughs> giving a performance <laughs> of a life. This is a good movie. This already. is a good movie. This right. is like a A movie. Could be an A plus though. Can I give you a little? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. I think I I'm mean... going to give you something deeply personal, which is going to make this so much more real. <laughs> like one of the darkest memories of my yeah. <laughs> the heartbreaking thing in that scene is like. The, so much of the movie is Paxton reckoning with the fact that everyone thinks he's kind of arrogant, right? That right. he thinks he's the normal everyman That's an yeah. center of the story. Right. And that he... Which, by the way, is set up before the movie even begins. Yeah. Like where he's like, last week you said that was an insinuation. And you're like, why are you talking about shit happened before the movie began? Right. Right. But they trust the audience will be able to follow. Right. right. And it starts where you're just like this weird anti-intellectualism everyone has against this guy. And Went as the movie college. goes on, his his weird areas of elitism are revealed, right? Like you yeah. do understand how much he does kind of pity his brother in a gross way. Right. You know, where he does think less of him. Yeah, he does. He does. And he he's won, always yeah. told himself like, well, I don't have to worry about him that much because he had that girlfriend one time. 
You know, like this weird thing where it's like, I know my brother dated a girl for a month 20 years ago, mm-hmm. so I'm never going to question the fact that I've never seen him interact with a woman ever again. And when he makes that comment about like, oh, I, I, if I was rich, I could get a girl. And he's like, you had that one girl in high school for a month? And Thornton just unpacks it and goes like, right. that whole thing was a fucking mirage. Right. And you see the reaction on Paxton's face where he just suddenly immediately realizes the depths of this man's loneliness, which have never been revealed to him before, and that he never took the time to investigate, to yeah. really check in on how is my brother doing emotionally on this level. It, it tracks with the dad stuff Absolutely. where he finds out right. the dad killed himself. Where yeah. This guy has been living his own life. Caught up in his own story. In his own story. He refuses to believe that anything in his life could have put pressure on his father to a degree that he would have to make well, a decision like that. he can't think about darkness. Like, no. you know, And like then, then he, when he's doing this shit, it's, it's just coming out slips. of nowhere. Mm. Where you're like, you know, he can't write. Yeah. But, but the speed at which Thornton turns the thing around and like when Paxton starts pitying him again, but really in, a, in an empathetic way for the first time, arguably in the whole movie, that he's like, it actually wasn't that bad. When I saw her in the hallway after that, she'd still say hi to me. Like, he genuinely is like, no, that was a nice relationship. He's he's a guy that's used to living with so little. Which is kind of what makes that that final thing. That even a tiny bit is is manna in the desert and shit. Yeah. yeah, That's that's the best way out of this. There's a a nobility to him. It's it's, it's It's true. Even in that scene where he's just like, this is the the smartest plan. Like, this will work. I'm not saying it's the right thing, but where he's like, I've thought this through. You have a kid. Her life's more important. What am I going to amount to in the world? Like, I don't feel bad about this. And also, he's just like, I can't live with this shit. Right. He's like, I can't. You think might about be able to. Day. I don't have the processes to. Yes. What do you want to say, Ben? Well, we're celebrating the dramatic parts, like the okay. sad parts of the performance. Uh-huh. He is so funny. He's fucking and hysterical. And the scene that I feel like we just, I, I want to make sure we mention it is when he is doing the impression of Bill oh, Paxton. He's like, do, yeah. do the bird. Where Who, he you goes ever see someone drink like that? Yeah. <laughs> that just, is so... It is, is insane. Uh, the impression so of the ducking funny. the bird makes me laugh every fucking yeah. time. Yeah. Where he does his face. Was like, <laughs> and the way he changes, too, and you see how he hangs with this friend <sighs> and how their, their relationship, and how they hang out, going, how they like, joke he's around. Out his fucking he's brother. fucking it up. Yeah, right. and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, shit. He's That's the scene around. where you start to realize what his intelligence is. Right, right? He's, he's not the right Because you're like, this is yeah, him yeah. doing the same shit he did where he walked up to the sheriff and said, like, you tell him about the plane? Where he's, like, overplaying his hand, getting sloppy, you know, mm, like, right. unable to, like, stick to his allegiances. And then there's that moment where, like, Paxton's like, we should leave. We should leave. Shut this down. Like, he doesn't want Billy Bob Thornton to blow it. And Billy Bob Thornton doubles down. And he's like, no, we're staying. Don't be a fucking coward about this. You stay here. And you think that it's just he's going to vent all of his pent-up anger at his brother, which I think he, he is does. doing. Yeah. Yes. Right. He does he's having his cake and eating it, too. In a roundabout but way. He's, he's also fucking like, really putting the, t- the screws to Hank, but then I'm nailing this harder than you it. think I am. Yeah. Right. You, your plan was not going to work. You were not going to be able to sell this. I can get through to him right. and it's going to eat me up inside that I fucking, I mean, he has the line in that scene where he's like, you're more of a brother to me than he ever is. Right. I got nothing to tell him. Which is honest, right. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it feels truth. true. Yeah. 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 That is great. The only thing we haven't mentioned well at all done. is just yeah. the brutality of the post, you know, Jacob's death stuff where it's like, now you have to burn the money. 
Oh, now you have to live. That's the sweetest plum, bro. Exactly. That's, now that's you got when to you're be watching alive. the movie and you're like, yeah. oh, this is delicious. Because you know you're watching the movie and you're like, this ends with a mobster cutting Bill Paxton's head off, right? Like he, eventually I wonder, he gets it over I, I his wonder, head. I'm I don't trying know. To, I'm trying to think like what I would have imagined because I'd have to go back to like '98. But what I would have imagined the ending would be because you just it keep never thinking was like that, the professionals might show up, right? Like right. this was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. This was some drug run. This was some conventional thriller earlier when gary cole yeah. shows up you're like okay are we finally cooking with gas like is it, and then it's like no no paxton gets to live he gets to live in this prison like he's made for himself forever you know the uh, how do you feel about the voiceover beginning and end i don't mind it i don't mind it at all i so like one paxton thing i narration. did not remember hmm. when i watched the movie this time you I were was sort like, of like oh there's a oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I bumped into it not in a bad way where i was like fuck this movie but i was like i don't remember there being are you anti-voice i'm trying to think if you use no, voiceover no. i don't i don't know that i've ever used it i did a little bit at the beginning of jersey girl but that was like yeah. a fix and post right but generally no i don't think i've ever knew, used because obviously it has a bit of a you know some people are like oh you can no but no he no, does no, it no, very yeah. sparingly it's yeah. in the beginning i think and it's then good at the it's end. novelistic presumed innocent opens yeah. the same way there's mm-hmm. a bit of narration in the beginning New, uh, no country the also the beginning with tommy lee jones yeah. over just sort of the plains where it's just kind of like this is more of a tone setting thing than right. anything else it's, it's what kind of tale we're telling and this movie is not ending with a punch like right. it's not ending with a sort of like you're rattled roll credits get right. the fuck out of here can, can which I, I like it when a movie does that obviously but this movie's like and that's the rest of it. And right. six more decades of Bill Paxton right. feeling this way. That's what's going to happen. Can okay. I read what it the is, book ending is? It's fun. It's like yep. the movie The movie you imagine after the movie ends Yes. Yeah. is equally as enjoyable because you're like, oh, they're both in hell. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a Twilight Zone ending. periodically they must talk about Because I love Fargo, right? right. But Far- which is obviously sort of a cousin to this movie, Agreed. right? But Fargo ends, you're like, it's a bloodbath. Everyone's dead. Or in jail. People are being yeah. punished accordingly. Marge goes home. Her husband got the fucking duck stamp. And you're just like, oh, thank God. Right. <laughs> One good you're thing. Like, right. A little tear. <laughs> right. like, oh, it's going to be all right. She's, she, you know, she's, she's going like, to have her baby. And this granted, is good. It's, only, it's only the tree scent stamp, but still. But she, yeah. Yeah. People, people need the little when they need, need to the tree scent exactly. stamp when they raise the postage. Yeah. <laughs> all this over a little bit of money. You know, um, and this, it's just, you're just like, holy shit, this is some like, you know, evil Aesop fable right. thing where it's like he, he's just tortured. But anyway. well, that's the thing. It's like the worst case scenario. In a way, you're expecting that either. There will be all this blood, there will be all this suffering, but he will get away with the money at the end. And the question is, was it worth it? Right? right. Or you're expecting a horrible tragic ending where right. everyone Everyone's fucking dead. dies, right? right? Yeah. Or jail. Like, he telegraphs, right. he, he yeah. telegraphs the ending three times in the movie. He's like, I'll burn it. I swear to God, I'll right. burn it. And man. it is, yeah. it is kind it. of the most tragic ending, which is he has to sit there and watch the money burn. He has to stand there and watch it burn and recognize this was truly for nothing. Yeah. My brother All is dead. Are dead There's blood on my, my hands. Brother. I will never right. get over this. I've seen my wife change. We I have know a how child. she feels about me We're and just our be life. These ghosts who raise a child. Right. Yes. This is how the oh, book ends. Okay. So, like, same basic run of events uh, as you said. Um, Jacob dies earlier. Jacob dies yeah. earlier. I think the book, the the husband wife relationship, is more prominent than the brother relationship, and I think probably largely because of Billy Bob, they shift the focus. Right. 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 Um, Wisely. Jake, very much so. Jacob dies earlier. Things proceed fairly similarly. Um, when uh, the the FBI tells him that, uh, well, all we the bills, kill, were yeah, locked. we had twenty agents writing bills down. Right. Um, he realizes that he uh, already spent one of the bills at a convenience store. I'm just gonna read this from the Wikipedia. Oh, okay. Shit. 
uh, Sarah tells Hank, sorry, that she has already spent one of the bills right. at a convenience store. He goes there to steal it back. In a fight with the cashier, Hank kills the man with a machete. When an elderly woman demands to be led to the store, he kills her as well. Hank flees with the bill and is never suspected. Hank goes home and burns the money over Sarah's protest. In the epilogue, Sarah has a baby boy who they name, whom they name Jacob. A few weeks after the birth, their daughter nearly drowns in a wading pool and suffers permanent brain damage. Right. Hank That's and Sarah and like, accept this, is my this as punishment. a punishment for their right. crimes. Hank narrates that the pictures his brother he pictures his brother Jacob from time to time, but only because his memory makes him feel more human. So the ending is much more much bleak bleaker in the book. and nasty. And this just leaves you with the note of, as you said, what are they? fucking do with them that little girl their daughter yes it's too much you can't do it i yeah. mean she, I, she's not real so we could right she is not the side of relief but she drowns she, she drowns in his brain in a kiddie pool and his brain damage? his brain dead yeah and they not dead, they're like think, but, the uh, lord sure, did whatever. this to us yeah this is the punishment for what we did that's one thing that seems to be missing in this movie it's very midwestern but there's not a lot of reference to god yeah and there's faith no and like religion. A, but it a does higher morality. but it, there's a morality yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a real morality it's more it's more subterranean that is a Dark, dark fucking ending. And Kills him with two a more, machete. Two more bodies. Yes. Two more bodies. And another crime scene he mysteriously. <laughs> right. like, the sheriff's just like, I don't know. People just are dying this year. What can I, I mean, say? It takes a gifted author to make all, like, because uh, you to could pair put that it through out. a comedic fucking. Yes. Like filter, and this is Penn and Teller get killed Absolutely. or something 100%. like that. You know, it's just a series, we, which I think is also George Orwell. We have to play the box up, okay, Griffin? Yes, because we're we're wrapping up here. Yes. But um, but this is a very interesting box up. Kevin, game. this Explain is the, the box same thing game, I Kevin. do. My father and I bonded as a child because my brother liked sports, and I did not. And my he would read the the sports scores with my brother in the paper every day. And then stats. once a week, I had my movie stats. Yeah. Nice. Monday morning, open up the business section of the New York Times, look at the top 10. Because of this, because it's the backbone of my emotional relationship with my father, I have a weird memory he, for he box office He knows a lot charts. of box office. So we're um, going to try and guess the top yeah. five. There was a guy who's now recently a, a listener of our show who programmed a Wordle-style game where yep, every day you, you have to guess the top five. Of a random. Inspired by our podcast. Week. It's a really good game. Box office. Gah. Dot Emmy. Um, okay, but top five for this movie. So this, this movie mo- never got like a hyper wide release. No, right? it came out. So this movie came out December eleventh, ninety eight. Okay, a real you know limited release. Yeah, and okay. pushing for Oscar, pushing yeah. for Oscar, real yeah. award season release. Picture. Yeah, it made sixteen million dollars, which was about its budget. Mm. So opening you know, weekend sixteen. No, 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 total, total. total. So not great, right? And it gets screenplay yeah. and Thornton. It got two nominations, yeah. which it lost. Um, so whatever so they were hoping for, like, well, the Oscar steam will push get us every thirty-five, yeah. forty. Yeah, right. exactly. Right, it'll play for months. Um, yeah. And it's weird because it got good reviews, it got Oscar nominations, but it never just quite whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. it's the year of. So you got same Prefer Ryan, Thin Red Line, mm-hmm. right? Life is beautiful is kind of a phenomenon, right? There's a lot of. Is this the obviously. year that he climbs across the chairs Benini. and shit? Yep, Benini. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Sam Raimi would not have done that. Not at all. Um, all right. So number one at the box <laughs> hey, office, buddy, though. Excuse Griff. me, buddy. I'm stepping on your chair. Oh, buddy. Why'd you have to uh, step buddy, on me, buddy? buddy I got buddy, my new on. tux on, buddy. Step in. <laughs> December 11th, 98, Griffin. Number one is a sci-fi sequel. It's new this week. Is it Star Trek Insurrection? Yes. Okay. Star Trek Insurrection, so the, which the is the third Abraham movie with F. Murray Abraham as the villain. Wrinkle Man. Right. The sort of plastic Abraham. surgery mm-hmm. aliens. Right. Yes. Not yes, the most yes, successful. Yes, yes, yes. The second Jonathan Frakes film. 
after the like, wild success of First Contact, which he also directed. Okay, so I just remember my friend Kira Kramlik wanted to see this, and I had never seen an episode of a Star Trek sure, show nor a Star, Star Trek, Trek movie, and I said, I'm not going to jump in on Insurrection. And I definitely voted for something else in the top five to okay, see and so said, I'm trying to remember. There, like, there must have been like some... Mary Lou Henner, bro. Yes. Yeah, you got a photographic fucking memory. Only with this. But I'm just trying to think. There he's was a, some right, he has a terrible memory for a lot of stuff. baby, I don't remember what time were you okay, are, well, ever well, 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 okay, well, you're probably going to get... Okay, so number two is an animated film. Film. Fully animated. Absolutely. The Rugrats movie? N- no, that is number five. Uh, Prince of Egypt? No. <laughs> Ants? No. You're close. I'm close. Bugs Life? Oh, it's a Bugs Life. A Bugs I Life. I can't believe that I was know. my I was like, geez, that's guess. you're the Pixar boy. So wait, wow. that was number two? Bugs Life is number two. Okay. Is and it... Rugrats movie, as he already guessed, five. is number five. So you got yeah. two animated movies in there. Bugs Life is in like weekend two or three. It's in weekend four. Okay. Uh, it's made $83 million. Great. Now, I don't even want to do number three yet because it's such a big boy. Okay, we'll come back around. Number four is uh, a thriller mm-hmm. with a movie star who's recently been in the news. Hmm. It is Enemy of the State. Enemy of the State. Oh, shit. Yeah. Pretty yeah. fun movie. Jason Lee's in that, too. He sure yes. is. There's yes. a lot of fun in that movie. Goes, There's a lot of... Fuck a duck. A lot of guys in that movie. Jack yeah. Black. Like Jack Black. Seth Seth like, there's a lot, a lot yeah, of people just mixing Jamie it up. Kennedy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Enemy of the State, that's a Tony Scott movie, of oh. course. Now, number three, it's new this week. Okay. We've mentioned it on this episode. On this episode, It's okay. a family dramedy. It's a family dramedy. It's got a supernatural twist. In 98, with a supernatural twist. Mm-hmm. It's not a good movie. It's not a good movie. No. We mentioned it. We have meant It was widely discussed right at the top of this episode. It was widely discussed right or at the... Or at the top of the context about a simple plan. Oh, is it Jack Frost? It's Jack Frost. I did not know this. It was Jack out. Frost comes out against wow. a simple plan. They're oh both God. new this week. Ramey must have been And you're sitting, sitting there crazy. going like, yeah. I got money for one snowy movie. <laughs> yeah. What am I going to see? You're Does going this to snowman see, I'm going find to see the money? George Clooney fucking Frosty picture. Did Jack, did Jack Frost outgrow Simple Plan? Uh, I bet it was close. It did. It made $34 million. That doubled. That's rude. So some other movies you know, but in the top Think 10. about it. But Jack by the way, Frost is everything yeah. you think of when you think of a movie. Something unrealistic. You're yes. going to take on an adventure. Absolutely. Simple movie Plan could have literally happened to somebody. And, and by the way, that, I guarantee you, that is the movie I convinced Kier Kramer to see instead it. of Star That's Trek Insurrection. No question. I mean, I'm sure you saw the Rugrats movie. You saw Bugs I had seen both of those know, movies three times by those, this point. Right. I'm saying this weekend I would have gone to see Jack Frost. Some other movies in the top ten. The Waterboy. Okay. Oh, shit. Meet Joe Black. Oh shit! Mm-hmm. Uh, Babe Pig in the City, wow. Notorious Bomb, which we've covered on this podcast. Yes. Great movie. An episode that everyone to likes. The uberly successful Babe. George right. Miller being like, "Fuck you, I'm making this." That's sequel. a perfect yeah, yeah. example George of a Miller blank going, check. I'm taking it back. Yep. Gus yeah. Van Sant's Psycho, which we just that okay. we referenced earlier. Yeah. In its second week, has dropped sixty two percent. Audiences are like, "No, thank you." Yeah. The idea behind the the making of that movie, as he said many times, is, is like Someone else is nobody nobody watches Psycho. So, yep, right. but if I did it in color, somebody's going to do it. So, <laughs> I defend that movie. I think that movie is fascinating. I we talk about that movie on uh, I uh, I've been on a number of podcasts historically. Okay, I've been right, doing it since right, 2007. Uh, Hollywood this Babylon. First this is not my first. I don't know if you could tell oh, by my racking tour nature. Um, the uh, we talk about um, there's a moment in Psycho, mm. a very famous moment where uh, she gets killed in the shower. Yeah, heard of it. Yeah. And Sometimes when Anne Hache, shower scene, the shower scene, when yeah. Anne Hache is the one getting killed in the shower, mm-hmm. she's stabbed, she falls forward. The overhead shot mm. 
uh, has her brown eye on full display. One of the only times you've ever seen a, a major motion picture <laughs> actor asshole. Butthole. Yeah. Not their cheeks. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Fucking yeah. sphincter. <laughs> that was the thing that, like, I don't care what Gus Van Sant did with Psycho. I was like, did anybody else see that? That's a choice. That is, I mean, how do you, that would never happen again in this day and age. Somebody no. would digitally erase that sure, butthole. Sure, it would like be airbrushed or whatever. Right. 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 They digitally they erase. Let it, set, let it sit there and, and ride. And if you're like an asshole fetishist, if you go to Pornhub and you're like, only assholes, yeah. you can literally enjoy Gus Van Sant's Psycho for that three That's seconds. my new OnlyFans competitor I'm <laughs> launching, which is only assholes. We're going to promise you one hole and only one hole. That's it. Um, and you no, don't even know who it belongs to. Do you know that Disney Plus in their uh, Splash, if you watch Disney Plus, uh, the version of Splash they have, they have digitally erased Daryl Hannah's butt crack. They, they didn't erase it. They extended her hair over it. Did you know that? Yes, but it's it's weird. Yes. So wait, in the scene when hair. she's on the, when she gets out of the, walk. the sta- Statue of Liberty yeah. and walks around. Anytime right. you see her tush in that movie, she it no is, longer has a butt. It is crack. covered in, in, you know, obscenely long. So you're saying they would never already let, had a PG yeah, rating. Absolutely, you're saying they would never let someone uh, show butthole again. They won't even let show people people show crack anymore in movies that were made 35 years is ago. That, is that was that? Yeah, that was always a Disney movie. It was, it was always touch them. Yeah. So it's, right. her ass was in the movie in the, the movie stand. It's one of those classic 80s things where you're like, oh, there's a button in a PG movie. You know, it was yeah. like exciting. Yeah. But I mean, it's not even. Was it? It's it's a it's a fairly chaste. Yeah I, yeah, I don't even remember like the cheeks spreading or anything like no, that. No, that's what I'm saying. No butthole. And they still felt the need to yep. protect us from mm-hmm. Daryl Hannah's forty-year-old ass. Yeah. Ass from forty years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Splash. It's wild. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for doing this. This is fun. I'm, I'm, you, guys, you guys should be happy that I don't live out here. I'd be here every week, and you'd hey. be like, "We don't want you to be here," but I'd be well, like, "Oh, I want to talk about things." We'll lasso you in again. Yeah, you'll you'll, you'll be back. Um, deeply satisfying, gents. What what a what thank a cool you. concept for Real a show. Pleasure. What a great conversation you know i i remember on my way over i was just like we're gonna talk about film <laughs> and i was so fucking delighted to talk about film that's yeah. right and yeah. and i mean look we we have two great researchers who work for our show and dig up a lot of incredible stuff but the jim jacks uh context i think was incredibly important and i we came not have i came loaded for bear i had a yeah. thing mm-hmm. so yeah. i was happy aside from like wanting to talk about this movie because i like i feel like this it. is his masterwork yeah and i you know I'm, I'm sam ramey is a brilliant director he's done many brilliant movies but this movie even though it doesn't look a fucking thing like a <laughs> sam ramey movie yeah. is an absolute fucking masterwork i wonder how he feels about it i do too yeah. i wonder what i'm saying i wonder if like he's he ever... complicated like when he did drag me to hell it's like oh he's doing kind of an evil dead kind of yeah, thing. yeah like yeah. he's never done something like this again i've no. wondered yeah he's had there's a Could couple be his things... jersey girl where he's like you know i tried a thing right and i got yeah. fucking spanked and right. i will never go back he's there. like yeah, signed but... up for a couple things in the last 10 or 15 years that didn't come to fruition that were closer to this yeah that's true like, but they never he was gonna remake a prophet the french movie that won the prison yeah that's right and i think there's like one or two other dramas that he attached himself yeah. to yeah, at some so, point. You know. find a hot blacklist script. And, I don't yeah. know, man. I've seen the trailers. Multiverse of Madness looks like it's a rerun of A Simple Plan, to be honest. Yeah, it's very You're actually right. It's very similar. They go to every universe and they see if there's one where they get away where with taking the money. Nope. <laughs> yes. Fuck. Jesus. Yeah. You killed me in this one? What's going on? Thornton's got the farm. It's doing great. <laughs> they come to the- Gary Cole is president? <laughs> <laughs> the farm's doing great. The farm's blowing right. up. They're um, going to kick us out of this studio. We yes. got to be doing uh, uh, Everyone should watch uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation. That's uh, talk about that. A phenomenal show that you were showrunner on. I'm very Logan. proud to your be. Your performance is uh, wonderful. And your, uh, your episode, as we say, in the run. Episode four is the big Oh, my yeah. God. Big orca. Um, 
but but thank you for that. And uh, I, I look forward to hopefully finding uh, other ways we can work together. In the Absolutely. Future. Fucking yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to uh, JJ Birch and Nick Lariano for our research, AJ McKeon, Alex Barron for our editing, Lane Montgomery, the Great American Novel for our theme song, Pat Reynolds and Joe Bowen for our artwork, Marie Barty for our social media and helping put the show together. You can go to blankcheckpod.com for links to all the nerdy things, merch, Reddit, what have you. Uh, tune in next week for for Love of the Game. Yeah, I can't remember. If it's we always it. forget. There's if it's for the love or for love. It doesn't matter. There's one the, and it feels like there should be two, but one Something. of them's missing. Yeah, for love of the game. Yeah, uh, and you can you can go to uh, Patreon.com/slash/blankcheck with blankcheck special features. Where we're doing not all Batman. Yeah, that's right. That's the Batman right. movies we haven't covered. So every Batman yeah. movie not directed by Tim Burton or Chris Nolan or Chris Nolan. Uh, uh, thank you all for listening. And I just want to not to put him on blast, but one more time. Uh, Ben's uh, text last night excitedly while watching this movie was all caps exclamation point cold crime cold crime I love it when it's icy baby <laughs> <laughs>